I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein we introduce each other to films, expand our cinematic horizons, and, in essence, catch up on our cinema. So, it is the month of January 2022, and is once again that very special time of the month wherein we do our very special Catching Up on Blu-ray episode. Uh, and in joining me in this endeavor, I have my very good friend, Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How's it going, Brad? Oh, it's going great. Glad to be here. I mean, you mentioned Blu-rays, and that's all. That's all it takes to get me to join a recording. No, no question. Oh yeah, no. This should be a really fun one. Uh, if you're not familiar with uh, the format of how these episodes play out, uh, dear listeners, uh, essentially a catching up on Blu-ray episode uh, is basically just an excuse for Brad and I to. Uh, peruse the upcoming physical media releases on ye old calendar. Uh, so this would entail uh, DVDs, Blu-rays, and 4K discs uh, coming out in the month of January 2022. Uh, so yeah, uh, we're just going to be taking a look at things from week to week and uh, point out any releases that catch our eye for a variety of reasons. Uh, and if you would like to follow along with the uh, home version of Catching Up on Blu-ray, you can do so by navigating to the very lovely website blu-ray.com and head to the release dates page and just navigate to the January 2022 page. Uh, so again, if you're not familiar with how this works, uh, physical media releases generally occur on Tuesdays of each calendar week. Although um, I'm not sure if we talked about this last episode last month. So Brad, I'm actually going to uh, poke you here right off the bat and uh this was an off-date release so this did not release on a tuesday but our first release that i'd like to draw attention to is a uh, january 2nd 2022 oh yes yes brad uh would you care to inform our listeners what i'm alluding to here well you know great film coming out on 4k pirates of the caribbean the curse of the black pearl you know me and you we're gore hounds we love gore verbinski um, Trevor, I, I hope you didn't pop on this because the reviews on this have been horrendous. This thing is getting dragged through the mud. Apparently it looks like hot garbage. Yeah, uh, actually, I think it may have been you, uh, who <laughs> either through listening to your show, the cinema speak podcast or through direct conversation with you. I think I, I think I learned this through you that apparently this disc is a shit show. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I have no reason to own a Pirates of the Caribbean disc, but um, yeah, this was shocking uh, to see not like not only a Disney 4K disc, but like a, a shit Disney 4K disc for a pretty high profile release. One that I'm sure there's a lot of people out there uh, that have a lot of nostalgia for and would be very excited to place on their shelves. But like, what kind of star ratings are we looking at here for this one? Oh, I mean, we're talking. Let's see. Uh... Two out of five 4K picture quality in the official Blu-ray.com review. Uh, with the user ratings, uh, it's mixing down to about a 1.8. I mean, they're saying that there's a bunch of uh, artificially reducing the grain field in this, tons of edge enhancement. The HDR, the colors are just, like, very muted. Like, this thing is gross. Papa Gore probably had no say in this because he would not stand for this garbage. Oh, yeah. No way, man. I mean, Gore Verbinski, say what you will about some of the projects he picks and like his storytelling sensibilities. But there's one thing that he always nails, and that's his visuals. Like his films always look incredible. And to to hear his work butchered so awfully, um, man, Brad, like I'm I'm not as on top of the the Blu-ray.com forums and reviews as you are. I, I can admit to that. But 
have you ever seen a, a rating that low for a 4K disc? I, I, I can't speak to the actual rating, but it certainly gives vibes of the uh, Terminator 2 4K, which kind of, in the Blu-ray.com 4K community, uh, I think is the go-to example of one of the most, like, uh, swing and a miss 4K releases of all time. I mean, it just, I, I've actually, I own it. I've actually never watched it, um, but I just have heard it's like, it looks horrendous. I've seen some screenshots and it does look pretty gross. They reduced the grain and so uh, Schwarzenegger looks like just like a pasty mess. It's gross. Um, <laughs> and I feel like I, I never owned that movie on Blu-ray either, but I feel like the Blu-ray even had some issues. I don't totally remember what they were, but it's weird that, you know, the Terminator 2 has had such a weird kind of shaky release history. I guess, like, a lot of James Cameron stuff has been... And guys, the guy's mental when it comes to home media. The guy's mental! What's <laughs> yeah, going on, James? You're not kidding, man. Like, like, I don't know, maybe it has something to do with the, just the overall look and presentation of Terminator 2 in particular, because that's a very blue film. That's a, it has a very steely quality to it that... Um, at I could see somebody walking into that like without climatize like acclimating to the atmosphere and thinking this movie looks bad. It's like eh, give it a minute, you'll you'll ease into the pool. You'll you'll figure it out. Your eyes will get used to it. But um, yeah, James Cameron's relationship with uh, current like modern day physical media is kind of all over the place. Like, I, does Avatar even have a 4K release? It seemed to. Rebe- I, I mean, obviously it had a 3D so. one, but but I don't think it's on 4K. Of course, True Lies is the. It's almost like a running gag at this point. Like where where the fuck is True Lies? Yeah. Like it's it's in high demand. It has yet to even make a debut on HD, at least in the United States. Um, but yeah, um, actually, the Terminator 2 4K is maybe the only example I know of that comes to mind when it comes to the. <laughs> the gold standard or the, the bronze standard for for shit 4k the brown standard <laughs> the brown standard yeah. and i did look up i just looked up the uh rating the official yeah. score that one did get a 2.5 out of 5 but to be so fair just, it was just like, a no- half notch higher just a little bit higher but it was four years ago so you know, it's always you gotta weigh that like with the review scores like you know they kind of they change over time a, a 2.5 back then could be a 1.5 now who knows but yeah that's kind of the like you said it's it's the brown standard for worst looking 4ks (laughs) for (laughs) blu-rays i think the brown standard might have been predator i never owned it but i know predator the blu-ray apparently i I can't even remember why but i know that one looked like shit so a lot of people were excited when the 4k came out okay i'll have to i'll have to double check which disc i have because i i really do love that movie however the way i purchased it on blu-ray anyway i did have a a, a vhs that i watched over and over and over again when i was young uh, an official vhs not one taped off a cable or some shit <laughs> but um the blu-ray i have is just like one of those like just basic box sets of all the all the predator films so i probably do i probably do have that pile of shit on my shelf but <laughs> Maybe it's due for an upgrade because uh, the girlfriend hasn't seen Predator. She definitely has to see Predator, uh, and I wouldn't mind splurging on an upgrade disc uh, if it means watching Predator the best way I can. But um, yeah, I just wanted to draw attention to that Pirates of the Caribbean because I, I do remember Brad mentioning like, <laughs> "It's like you got to check this out. Yeah. Like, don't pay for it, but you got you got to look into this." Um, 
So let's head down to the calendar and uh, come to our very first uh, official release date. Uh, so this would be January 4th uh, from 2022, of course. Um, and right out the gate, we have another release that uh, I will once again pass the baton to Brad uh, to talk about up front, because uh, as it so happens, um, as of recording, uh, the very next episode of his show, the Speak podcast, deals with this film. So, Brad, uh, what am I alluding to here? We're talking Scott Cooper's Antlers, which was a horror movie that's been delayed many, many times. Um, I think it was even delayed before COVID. Like, I think, like, it's a COVID release date, like, in early 2020, I think even that was a delay. So this thing's been delayed many, many times. Finally did come out. Uh, and I got to say, uh, you know, I don't want to say it sets a brown standard. Uh, it's not quite that bad, but I was pretty underwhelmed by this one. Uh, so Scott Cooper, I don't know if you've seen any of his films, Trevor, but he did uh, Crazy Heart, which I haven't seen Crazy Heart, to be fair. But he did Black Mass with Johnny Depp, Out of the Furnace with Christian Bale. I mean, this guy just makes the most generic, performance-heavy, Oscar-baity just dramas that are, you know, not bad, but very mediocre. And uh, he's he's switched to horror here. And you thought, okay, well, he's this is a guy whose drama films are very mediocre. But, you know, he's at least somewhat of a competent director. And sometimes you take that sort of, like, A-list, competent, generic director, put him in a horror film, you know, maybe he can, like, elevate the genre a little bit. And, uh, no, he doesn't. He completely brings it down to his generic, mediocre level. Uh, it feels like it's trying so hard to be a prestige horror film that it's almost funny how, like, just serious it takes itself without any of the... Like, the themes in here are not interesting at all. And even the horror elements. Like, there's some okay kills. And there's, like, I don't know. Everybody's going nuts over this creature. It was okay. It didn't blow me away. Um, so yeah, it does look good. It's a pretty good looking horror film. I'll give you that. But, uh, overall I'd say this is, it's a, it's a good rental. It's a good rental. Don't pick up the Blu-ray, but it's a good rental. It It is a good rental. I'll give it that one. <laughs> okay. Well, I mean, that, that's fair. I mean, that, that's very interesting though, to, to see, uh, this director, uh, Scott Cooper, you said Scott Cooper. Uh, yeah. Um, I, I was perusing his his uh, filmography uh, as you were speaking because um, the name rang a bell. But I think what was tripping me up is the fact that this is Antlers, Rantlers, the film uh, <laughs> directed yeah. by Scott Cooper. It's like that oh, Scott Cooper. That's a name I've not heard since. And then I look at his filmography, and it's like, oh, well, he hasn't really done anything even remotely close to that. So no wonder I couldn't associate the two. But mm-hmm. yeah, Bl- Black Mass is is it's fine out of the furnace i haven't i haven't seen but hostiles i remember uh made a lot of buzz with like the senior crowd at the academy yeah uh, i.e the people who do the voting um and uh crazy heart same deal get low same deal um but in terms of like crowd pleasing like mass appeal kind of movies that it seems like that's not really his thing so this is a very strange pivot and um i think his his marquee value was low uh because i seem to remember the marketing for this throwing guillermo del toro's name like all over the place and i don't think his name was mentioned once in any of the marketing i saw no yeah they 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 threw guillermo del toro on here he probably had no actual involvement in it i mean other than it's like oh we got a movie about a creature let's get g del t on board let's get him on um but yeah i, I need to go through and rewatch uh black mass because as of now 
not to spoil my rating on Antlers, at least what I think I'm going to give it, uh, every single one of Scott Cooper's movies are a 2.5. He's right down the Except for Black Mass, I give a 3. So I got to go back and rewatch Black Mass. I got to get that thing down to a 2.5. This guy <laughs> is at least consistent. I'll give him that much. Uh, you got to go in grumpy or something. Like you got to make sure that you just had a, like a really shit day before you before you hit play on that one, and then you'll you'll get that half star like neg. Yeah. I think I was pretty generous with that. I I, I kind of remember just having fun with how goofy Johnny Depp was. <laughs> I, I thought it was I thought it was worthy of a three out of five. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> hey man, we got a standard to maintain here. It's like I'm sorry, Scotty. It's got to be a two point five. He's the two point five guy. That's his thing. That's fine. I mean, somebody's got to do it. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, somebody did it. It only took him five fucking years to get it made, but you know, it it got done. Yep. <laughs> but. <laughs> Uh, I I suppose I should mention that my usual co-host on Catching Up on Cinema, Kyle, um, he uh, he actually was, I don't even know why, but uh, he was very, very hyped about Rantlers, uh, such that he went out to the theater to watch Rantlers. Um, and then he uh, dipped out and said, like, ah, I don't have time. We can't review Rantlers. <laughs> so, like, it's officially on the someday list as far as uh, potential episodes go. But, um, yeah, for whatever reason, uh, my buddy Kyle, uh, he was very excited for this one and uh, very upset with how often it was delayed. But um, bopping along, uh, Brad, I'm just going to ask you, like, right up front for this first week here in January – um, these uh, these older releases, um, are there any among them that you'd like to draw particular attention to? Because otherwise, I'm probably just going to gloss over them. I got to be honest. Uh, I I don't know anything about any of them. Like, there's a Hitchcock film here that I don't think I've ever been heard of. So, <laughs> Well, it's from 1931, so it, I have to assume that's fairly very early in his filmography. Yeah. So this, this is called Rich and Strange from 1931, advertised as Alfred Hitchcock's Rich and Strange, which is literally the only reason I keyed in on it at all is the man's name. Um, but in addition to that, we also have a film called China from 1943, uh, Shake Hands with the Devil from 1959. Uh, it looks like, is that James Cagney's name I see on the cover? Oh, uh, it looks like it. A, that's a selling point. Uh, the Crime of the Century from 1933. Golden Earrings from 1947. And, and Double Door from 1934. Um, also, All My Sons from 1948. <clears throat> I mean, let's just, you know, just to say something about these older films... So, you know, it seems like they're worthy of your time. I mean, we don't know anything about them because they're so old. But let's just throw this out. Let's say something about them. Kino, I mean, I'll bring it up later, but Kino just keeps pumping these things out. Like, these films are ones that you and me, we're pretty plugged into, like, Blu-ray. And I think we're pretty, you know, more than the average person. We know about older movies, more than the average person, I'm saying. And yeah. we don't even know what the hell these things are. So good for Kino for just pumping these things out. Whether people are buying them or not, who knows? But good for them for, you know, it's like they're just, they're not even making money. They're just preserving these things. So hats off to them. Yeah, uh, actually, I, I strongly agree with that. That is very important to note that physical media is one of those things that we're trending away from uh, in this day and age. It's become it's becoming more of a, a niche collector's market rather than a mass market. Um, so it is very important that uh, film preservation on some form of physical media uh, continues. And, and yes, Kino's output, especially of these uh, s- seemingly like minor films, um, 
it's very important that these distributors continue to do this kind of work. So even if these films aren't important to Brad or myself, uh, maybe someone else out there, the, this is exactly what they've been waiting for all year long or all, their entire life even. So who knows? Uh, you never know, but it's, it is cool to see them uh, just maintain their output from month to month because, yeah, Kino's library is just insane. Mm-hmm. Like it's mind-boggling. In fact, it's gotten so bad to the point that, um, well, not bad, but like their their releases from month to month are such that um, whenever I I look at the cover art for something and I'm not I'm not sure who it came from, I just assume it's a Kino disc, and more often than not, it is. Yeah, <laughs> especially if it's pre 1960, and you don't know what it is, it's probably Kino. It's a pretty safe bet. Yeah. Um, but moving on to more contemporary releases. Uh, Black Friday from 2021. Uh, so this was a film that I sent Kyle a trailer for uh, prior to Black Friday this, uh, in uh, 2021. And uh, this looked mostly terrible, but it also looked like it could be some fun. Um, the trailer for it was somewhat charming. It had a decent energy to it. It's most certainly a very low-budget affair. Um, but this, of course, uh, features Bruce Campbell probably in a fairly small role. Um, and then uh, my boy, uh, Michael Jai White, and uh, Devin Sawa, of all people. <laughs> um, oh, Devin Sawa, bad, the, the direct-to-video king. Uh, I don't know like what the current state of his career is, but these days it seems like he's mostly relegated to direct-to-video work. Um, but there, there's enough charming elements to this cast, and on a conceptual level, it's basically a, a zombie outbreak at like a, a big box store um, on Black Friday. Um, so mm-hmm. in, in concept uh, and in construction, it sounds like it could be, you know, worth a rental or something. I actually haven't watched it, but when I when I happened upon the trailer for it, I was like, hey, Kyle, <laughs> you want to watch this? <laughs> like, I, I, I could see myself spending an evening watching this. How about you, Brad? Uh, yeah, I didn't watch the trailer, but, you know, it sounds kind of charming, I guess. Um, also, you got the girl from Pan's Labyrinth in there. So, oh, I mean, really? Yeah. I didn't I, notice that. I, I believe that is her. Um, I don't know what she's done in the 15 years since, but she's at this point in her career now, so that's fun. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Ouch. I, 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 just, I mean, she's still working at least. You know, she's hanging out with Black Dynamite and Ash from Evil Dead. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, hey, listen, at least she's in a feature and she's on the poster. Like that's that's more than most, you know, child actors can say. I guess, um, but uh, yeah, I don't know. Okay, I d- you, Haley Joel Osment. Yeah, <laughs> the guys, the guys in Tusk, and he doesn't even make it in the trailer for Tusk. That's how bad he's buried. You watching this, and you're like, "Is that Haley Joel Osment in Tusk? What happened? <laughs> what happened to his head? <laughs> <laughs> it's so big. And the rest of him's the same size. Yeah, yeah." <laughs> He's actually very funny. Like, like I actually kind of liked him in Tusk. <laughs> um, but... I mean, yeah, he was definitely not the worst part of that movie. That's oh I, yeah, yeah, far and that. away. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, this uh, this Black Friday movie. It doesn't look like anything I'd want to own. But like, if it popped up on a, a I don't know, like a Shutter or a, a, any streaming service that I had, and I found myself in the holiday season wanting to see. My boy, Michael Jai White, kicks some zombies in the head at a hardware store. Sure. I'm, I'm game. Gotta do it. <laughs> Bring it on. Uh, but beside that, we have a 4K uh, release of uh, Makoto Shinkai's uh, Weathering With You. 
uh, which is a Japanese animated film from an acclaimed director. Uh, he he likes to do lots of I don't he, he does cute films like like they're they're like heartwarming and very emotional tales about young people, oftentimes dealing with romance and whatnot. I only just saw uh, one of his films for the first time like last year. Um, it was uh, Your Name, uh, Kimi no Nawa. I think uh, it's a it, it was like the most praised film I think I'd ever seen or heard of. Like I, it was actually making me like vomit a little bit, like in the back of my mouth, like because I was just, I was just found myself inundated with just these, the glowingest of reviews for this film, and I was like, okay, I'll yeah. watch your, I'll watch your goddamn charming animated film, and as it so happens, it's like, yeah, it was pretty charming, but maybe I have a heart of stone or something because I was like, oh, it was all, it was all right, it's really pretty, but beyond that, it's like it, it didn't resonate with me, I think, as strongly as it did a lot of other people but um i would imagine this is of a similar quality um i have like i said i've only dipped my toes into his pool one time uh and i wasn't exactly blown away by it although i will say um from an animation standpoint uh, the background art in particular the attention to detail and the prop design and the landscapes whew, wow uh absolutely gorgeous um but beyond that it's it just i don't know not really my my brand. <laughs> hey, um, if it's not your thing, you can't force it, man. You can't force it. I mean, I, I try it every once in a while, but, you know, at the end of the day, you, you like what you like. And I, I, I like watching Michael Jai White kick zombies at hardware stores um, as opposed to prestige Japanese animated films dealing with ro- <laughs> romance and supernatural bullshit. Um, <laughs> but um, I'll bounce on down, down to the next row here, and I'm going to have to ask you, Brad, uh, the Gin from 2021. It is certified fresh. Brad, have you heard of The Gin? Uh, I have not. Uh, I'm assuming you're asking me because this is a uh, Shutter original. Is that is it? I don't know if it is. Actually. It looks like it, but maybe I it's not. I don't think so. I don't think so. They're usually pretty upfront about advertising this. You're um, right. You're right. The, I don't see it. The cover is very Shutter esque. Mm-hmm. But I think you're right. Yeah, I don't. It's see very anything. malignant slash Shutter esque. The Gin. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think i've heard of this um, well, see this is a problem because uh there are far too many films called gin something or other yeah um and this just happens to be the most recent one although i'm very curious about that certified fresh that's that is not something that gets handed out to to films like the gin <laughs> very often like it is something it does get handed out from time to time in fact i make a joke out of it uh because it it's very obviously like a I think of it as like a desperation marketing technique where it's like we have nothing else in our in our pocket for this one. So let's just throw that tomato on the cover and hope that it means something to somebody. Um, yeah. But I'm curious if this actually is legitimately good. It does seem like um, the it's a, you know, about a gin, but uh, the main character is mute. And it seems like which is cool. I'm, this is cool. But it that's definitely been a trend in the last couple of years, like which is again very cool. But it's uh, you know seems like that's there's a lot of films where they kind of are like let's take this film that is kind of like a generic idea, but the main character is deaf, and it kind of puts a new spin on it. Which you know it, it definitely does put a new, and I hope they you know maybe they take advantage of that where he he's mute so he can't call for help, and maybe that's where the creativity comes from. Um, I don't know, but it just, you know, that certainly is a trend. 
Yeah, no, most certainly. Um, for for a variety of reasons. For for one, it's like Brad had just said. It, it is a different angle. Uh, you can you can play uh, in the construction of your film, but uh, more importantly, it seems like in in recent years, uh, we've had films like Sound of Metal, and even even like I haven't good I haven't heard a single good thing about the movie, but uh, Eternals, uh, and uh, apparently, was it? There's a, I think it's Echo. Uh, from the MCU television series. Um, uh, basically, what I'm getting at here is uh, representation of, of people that are differently abled uh, in terms of being able to hear or speak um, or see, depending on what we're talking about here. But uh, representation of people with, with these different capabilities is something we're seeing in more movies these days. Um, so it's, you know, it's, it's a good thing. Um, and I'd be, curi- I'd be very curious... Um, if this is actually a good movie or not though because like the cover it's like it's like playing two cards at the same time one of which is like the most butt ugly fucking joker you've you've ever seen and like just a whole bunch of aces or something because we have a big old certified fresh and then a not so great creepy monster hand and a kid going oh man he he looks like he's about to crack open some sunny d or something (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, uh, you may, maybe you should look into that one, Brad, because I know you're between us. You're you're definitely more of a horror head, um, and it's not every day you see a movie called The Gin with a certified fresh stamp on the cover. That is true, and it's only 82 minutes, so that's a little enticing. A little. That's enticing. a selling point. That, that is. is a selling point. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> okay, uh, so I'm gonna kick it off to you, Brad. Uh, what what jumps out at you next? Well, we can mention uh, our boy Ethan Hawke has a new movie here, Zeros and Ones, um, which, I mean, I don't want to steal your game from you, but, I mean, this is looking like a Lionsgate cover, if anything does. Uh, I'm, I am I'm in agreement. Um, you care to confirm that, Brad? Is it a Lionsgate? Uh, it is Lionsgate. It absolutely is Lionsgate. Um, well, you know, there's no gun on the cover, Brad, but that does appear to be a, a government building of some sort that's on fire. That seems like in line with the Lionsgate brand. <laughs> I think the one guy in the middle might be carrying a gun on the bottom there. Oh, oh, oh! Do we have do we have firearms on the? Oh, yep. We have we have multiple firearms in the cover and a burning vehicle. Yep, that is. A couple of them look like nightsticks, but it looks the way he's holding that looks like a gun. Yeah, no, there 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 are firearms in the cover. Can't okay. confirm. Yeah, <laughs> so definitely. Um, isn't Abel Ferreira, isn't he like an actual director? Like not, yeah, not that, uh, uh, anybody, I mean, you know, whoever would have directed this as a director, but that's a, a name, bad, right? Bad, bad Lieutenant yeah, is, yeah, uh, yeah. is what he's most well known for, I believe. Oh, so uh, so yeah, this... an act, an actual director made this film, <laughs> this Lionsgate film. <laughs> so this could be potentially not bad. I mean, Ethan Hawke, <laughs> Ethan Hawke, like he regardless of what he's in he always tries and and he works hard man like his his number of releases from month to month it's it's kind of remarkable actually because like bruce willis has kind of uh subsumed like steven seagal's position as like the the king of direct-to-video shit um because like every month like clockwork he has something in fact i i could guarantee right now brad i haven't looked at the calendar but I'm pretty fucking sure we're going to see Bruce Willis more than likely in at Lionsgate film on our January There's 2022 releases. Um, but in Ethan Hawke's case, it's like he he still 
he still gets those prestige titles like like every so often but in between all that he's not afraid to just keep on working um so i wouldn't be surprised if this movie is watchable i'm not going to say it's good but Mm. i i would not be surprised if like by direct-to-video or like red box standards it's not half bad uh, because that is a director and most certainly a very talented actor um Although I'm going to have to take a look at the rest of the cast because this this is very much... Oh, no, actually, that's not good. <laughs> um, seeing, I'm seeing a lot of names that I can't pronounce. So, so um, yeah. I think it's just the Ethan Hawke show and a bunch of Eastern Europeans. So very much a Lionsgate film. Hopefully, hopefully uh, it's not half bad. But um, I'll bounce on down to the next row, and uh, as is the tradition i guess at this point i'm gonna have to kick it to brad again because um i see the shutter original logo on this cover unlike Jin, um and this is a film that i think i i mentioned to you a while back like when it was debuting on the service uh this would be i think it's a russian film called uh, the super deep oh yes from 2020 and the reason i was uh, poking brad about it uh via twitter a while back was that i think it was around the time i Kyle and I were reviewing the movie Underwater, um, and both Brad and I have a thing about like aquatic uh, horror movies or monster movies and stuff. And just so happened that this movie was on the horizon. I didn't, I don't, to this day, I don't know anything about it other than it's Russian and it involves deep sea terror of some sort. But I'm curious, Brad, uh, do you have any interest in this one? Yeah, I would be curious to check this out. Um, I did. I feel bad. I did not take your uh, recommendation. I didn't. I didn't uh, take your poke, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, I wouldn't mind checking this out. Um, I do like sort of an underwater creature feature sort of film, um, and I do like a good Russian film every now and then. Um, but yeah, I gotta say, I don't know. If I'm, I'm, my shutter cred might be slipping a little bit. I can't even remember the last thing I watched on there. But I do still have it. So. Actually, uh, kind of off topic, not that we have one to begin with, but um, I think I saw a little ad the other day uh, while I was perusing the internets. Um, am I wrong in thinking that uh, Creepshow is moving to Paramount Plus, like moving away from Shudder? Mm, I haven't heard that. I, I'm, I could be wrong, like I said, but I seem to recall seeing like like a, a different logo associated with the show for its third season or something well it could be potentially amc amc okay because yeah, yeah. yeah somehow with the rights well because amc owns shutter uh yeah so y- you would be right yeah. yeah so they what they do is they um like it premieres on shutter and then like six months later they air it on amc when there's like no when they're out of new shows to air so they just are like all right let's dump let's dump our creep show episodes here um, <laughs> that i would guess that probably is what it was okay okay well shows how much i know about those particular streaming services <laughs> there are too many goddamn streaming services that oh, i yeah. don't have <laughs> i mean um yeah i've got paramount plus too still so i guess if it moves there i'm still covered well see i won't have paramount plus again until uh april uh, for wrestlemania um, oh, that's a go. that's an annual tradition uh, at Trevor's house, but uh, beyond that, um, and uh, Halloween Kills, uh, I've had no need for Paramount Plus, so not until April. But like, I guess I'll have to get all my watching in in that one month that I allow myself to have that service every year. <laughs> <laughs> um, so 
bopping on down, we got uh, Only the Animals from 2019. This is from Cohen Media Group. Uh, not a film that is known to me, but um, that uh, their their cover art always jumps out at me because it's very unique. It has that orange strip and then Big as Life and Twice as Ugly, Cohen Media Group. Uh, then we have The Naked Ape from 1973. Um, I have no idea what this is, but I'm going to read the description because uh, I'm curious. Uh, the Naked Ape, 1973, when insecure teenager Alex persuades his buddies James and Eric to go on a road trip through the southwest for the summer, he doesn't tell them he's not planning to return. Along the way, they meet two girls who join them. That sounds boring as shit. <laughs> um, uh, cool cool title and, and definitely eye-catching cover, but um, you, you're going to need to give me more than that, man. Yeah. <laughs> it is uh, from Code Red, so probably you get some Banana Man appearances on the disc somewhere. Uh, oh, that kind of thing. Yeah, Banana Man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Code, Code Red is a distributor, um, folks at home. If you're not familiar with them, you should definitely do your research. Like, look into it. There, there's their stories <laughs> there's a lot to learn um but what he got uh together from 2021 is that james mcavoy i'm seeing there it is james mcavoy this is a uh a covid film not in just production but i believe it is about covid and being in lockdown together with somebody um which you know i can understand you know early on like oh let's you know make a film about this but i think uh by the time this came out everyone is kind of like yeah we're not really interested <laughs> we've been living this we don't really need to watch james mcavoy go through it yeah that, that's a shame because I, I really do like james mcavoy quite oh, yeah. a bit but i you know just timing's just not right you know like like it's kind of like that uh i don't even remember what it was called it was it was the uh michael bay financed um mm. covid movie um, I forget what it was called. It was like a bird's name or something. Yeah. It was about like a courier during a, a pandemic or something. But that movie just was, you know, in very poor taste uh, and and stuff like this. It's like I, I, I know I know we all like as artists probably want to explore this phenomenon and whatnot and what it's done to all of our lives. But we're still in it, guys. <laughs> like, man, I, mean, I don't need to be reminded of it through through my entertainment, through my leisure time. The only thing I've seen in entertainment that I actually liked when they acknowledged it is in the most recent Paranormal Activity movie where they say the date because the, all those movies open with, like, they say when this is, the dates, the tapes were found, whatever, and they're at the airport and they're wearing the masks in the airport. And I'm like, there you go. Like, that just, like, it acknowledges it. And when they get picked up at the airport their driver he's like you want the mask masks on masks off and after that because they go to an uh, amish village you know they don't mention covid ever again so i just i don't know it's a little just a little nice touch in there wasn't too much i actually liked that yeah no i mean that's a way of acknowledging that this is a contemporary story but mm-hmm. without making it ma- without making that part of the narrative yeah um that that is a classy way of navigating that um i can't recall any instances i've seen myself although i did note um shang chi uh there were people wearing masks and and very few extras in a lot of the scenes such that it actually felt kind of weirdly cheap at times where it's like there aren't there really aren't a whole lot of people at this club <laughs> like, yeah. what, and why are they all wearing masks oh even after the snap there there was covid <laughs> 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 shit that's rough man <laughs> yeah it's rough but um whoo wow uh the remainder of this week is 
is just a clusterfuck of uh, titles that I'm sure there only there will only exist a few hundred copies of each and every one of these discs. Uh, so, Brad, uh, would you care to highlight any that jump out at you, or are we just going to have to skip over these? There, there is nothing jumping out at me. I mean, there's a movie called Sexy Time from 2020, uh, The Zombie King from 2013, um, and. By the way, the like the uh, the cover art that's utilized on the Blu-ray.com website here is uh, apparently they didn't care to pay Sony uh, <laughs> to use the Blu-ray logo, even though they're most certainly using the Blu-ray format. Um, but it's it's like the generic Blu-ray cover it just says Blu-ray TM edition. Uh, these are from Shoreline Entertainment. Um, Oh no! I hope that's not from my neck of the woods. We have a city <laughs> called Shoreline out here in Washington. Oh, <laughs> it's like I'd feel pretty bad if they were the ones putting out all this crap. But unfortunately, yeah, um, I can't point to any one of these releases that that looks at all significant to me. So I'm just gonna bail and uh, head on down to the next week on the calendar yeah. here. Uh, I will note that there is an off-date release of uh, the Great Buddha Arrival. Uh, which comes out on January 6th. Um, only reason I note that is it's a, a Japanese like daikaiju film, so like giant monster movie uh, from 2018 that uh, I think it's supposed to be somewhat satirical. Um, I haven't seen it myself, but I, I do remember it getting a lot of press um, on websites that I frequent um, back in back in the day. <laughs> so uh, let's bounce on down to the uh, the next Tuesday, though, and this would be January 11th. Uh, 2022 uh so right out the gate our first major release uh and as is customary um 4ks usually come up front on the release calendar uh from week to week uh we have denis villanueves uh dune uh from 2021 on 4k and i'm very curious what the specs are for this disc oh look at that a five out of five yeah, um, no surprise as, as, there. Yeah, uh, that should be the case. Um, say what you will about like Warner Brothers. Um, it seems like when it comes to physical media, they they generally do very well, um, especially with their 4K discs as of late. Um, and this is most certainly a movie that you would expect to get a five out of five because uh, it it calls for it. Um, this was this was a movie. This was one of the very few uh, COVID movies I've seen um, in the past few years. Um, and goddamn. Uh, this was this was worth going to the theater for. In fact, uh, it's kind of weird to me. Like, it's hard to it's hard for me to imagine like like watching this movie for the first time at home, like on my couch, eating like like in the middle of like eating dinner, like eating a popsicle or something. It's like that seems that just doesn't add up in my mind. This is very much a theater film, so it's mm-hmm. like one of those few instances where I can like agree with the director and be like, yeah, you know. He, some movies do call for that um so yeah like brad I, I know you reviewed this for the cinema speak podcast how you how are you feeling about dune now now that it's out on physical media and not just in theaters yeah i i liked dune uh quite a lot um i mean really my only major issue with it which is kind of the issue that a lot of people had is just that it does end partway through the story um and i felt like one one downside potentially to the theatrical experience is that I had no idea when this movie was ending because I, I knew it was going to end somewhere in the middle of the story, but I was just like, this movie could end in another hour. It could end in five minutes. I have no idea. Um, but no, I mean, it's, yeah, it's visually, it's spectacular. The sets, the costumes, 
Um, the effects are all amazing. And yeah, out of the, all the HBO Max releases last year, um, this one was certainly the best. And it was one of only two that I actually, you know, shelled out the money to go see in theaters. The other one being the Suicide Squad. And I would say those two were probably the best out of the bunch, which I don't know if that could be potentially uh, maybe they got some theatrical bump, but uh, certainly not Dune, maybe the Suicide Squad. But uh, yeah, no, Dune, I can't wait to watch it in 4K because it'll be different watching it at home, but I'm sure it's still going to look amazing. Yeah, it's kind of funny you mentioned Suicide Squad because I didn't I didn't realize you had seen that one in the theater. I have I have like weirdly mixed feelings about that one. Like I don't th- I don't have any negative feelings about that one. It's just it's it's just an instance of maybe something just didn't click for me. Yeah, and and maybe that came from not having that theater bump because the way I watched it was like on not even on a TV. It was probably like on a laptop or something via HBO Max. So exactly the worst way to watch a big you know blockbuster movie. And I acknowledge it, it was really good. Like, it, it, you know, it's James Gunn doing his James Gunn shit, and it's usually good. And in this case, it was. It's just, like, it didn't resonate with me, and it didn't stick with me the way the way I, I would have liked it to. So maybe maybe it, maybe it would have benefited from getting that theater bump. But, uh, yeah, I quite liked Dune as well. Um, I, it really was amazing to watch in the theater. Um, I, think it, I think it speaks um, to maybe the nature of the film industry and productions of this scale. Um, like what I'm, what I'm referring to here is uh, the, the presentation of the film as a, a chunk of the story, as opposed to a complete thought. Um, because like when you watch the film, like folks at home, if you haven't seen it, um, the title Dune actually displays lightning fucking fast, like, like blinking, you'll miss it. This is part one. <laughs> it's like very quickly during the open title it's like part one it's like hang on did i see that it's like no 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 never mind we're, we're you're in the movie now just let it watch <laughs> but and then when you get to the end it's like oh well i thought i thought we were going to tell a whole story it's like no no yeah it's just an introduction it's just set up um but i think a lot of that speaks to just the the finances um the difficulty in financing projects like this it's like you have this prestigious director who like as i as i often say when when speaking about him with my girlfriend he doesn't miss um, <laughs> like just as far as i know he has yet to like make a straight up bad movie um everything like everything he makes has some level of quality to it so you have him you have uh you have but then you have him paired up with this property that um because of the legacy of like the multi book series of novels and the David Lynch film from the 80s, I wouldn't be surprised if there was maybe not as much confidence backing the production as as you would hope, um, which resulted in the financings for the sequel or the continuation of the story not being secured until after its release, um, which, which is fairly normal when you're dealing with franchise films. It's just something like this that comes across as like is some some sort of like something with more artistic merit to it rather than a perpetual motion machine like an MCU movie or something you you would expect that's like oh no they're they're going to they're going to have everything lined up before they even put out the first one it's like no they didn't like they they had to see what the numbers looked like before they even greenlit the continuation of it um but I'm glad we're going to, to get the continuation of it because I was very happy with what we got um 
and I really like just from a production design standpoint, like they they really did a fantastic job with so much of it. And even even Hans Zimmer showed up like more so than than he has I think in recent years. Um, How did you feel about Hans Zimmer's score for this one? Yeah, I I remember liking it. I don't really remember too much from it, but yeah, I, I do remember noting that like yeah. Uh, best Hans Zimmer score that he's done in a fair while. Certainly, like, the best non-Nolan score that he's done in a little while as well. Because it feels like, looking back, like, I remember really liking uh, Interstellar and Dunkirk's score. But uh, a lot lot of his other recent work has been, you know, fine. But it kind of feels like he's always doing the same Hans Zimmer thing. But no, this one was good. Yeah, no, I, I I feel that's the case. Um, I really did like the Dunkirk score, but I, I have yet to go back and listen to Tenet. Um, I actually do remember like tapping my foot to some of the tracks during the movie, but I haven't I gone remember. back and listened to it. But yeah. I, I have a feeling I'll, I'll go back and, and I'll actually be pretty happy with parts of it. I can't speak to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. But anyway, uh, Dune on 4K is something I'm just waiting for a sale. Um, that's literally the only reason I don't already own this. Um, I presume you're going to pick up a copy of it if, yeah. if you haven't already. <laughs> I haven't, I haven't gotten it already. I, I will be getting it. Um, you know, it does, I don't know. It, I can't say it bugs me. I don't know what bugs me more. The fact that for home video, they didn't label it as a Dune part one. Oh yeah. You know, like, cause now <clears throat> you're going to have one. If you get both on your shelf, you'll have Dune and Dune part two next to each other. I don't know how I feel about that kind of gross yeah that 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 is kind of icky honestly like if if for packaging purposes it would have been nice to to have the part one on the cover especially now that it's confirmed that, yeah. that the second one's coming out it's like in the time between the release of the film and the design for the like packaging of the disc it's like you could have changed that man um but yeah that is gonna be really kind of weird well maybe they'll maybe they'll like fuck with it like even more so like they'll continue to fuck with it in such a way where it's like it won't be called dune part two it'll be called like dune colon something or other yeah yeah it'll be called (laughs) dune colon day of the soldado (laughs) or they'll call it just like yeah like day of dune and then it's like oh where do you how are you going to organize that are you going to put it under da or du i mean that's that's where it's really going to tear people apart yeah it's going to be dune hunt for the blood orchid yeah (laughs) Um, but yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm not in the biggest of hurries to pick this up. However, I, I am, I am excited to rewatch it. Um, so I don't own this one yet, but it's just a someday thing. But, mm-hmm. um, something that I, I can't own, but I'm curious if, if, if you'll pick this one up. So our, the release we have beside this one is a massively controversial film to those who care about such things. Uh, this would of course be, uh, Halloween Kills. Also on 4K from Universal, and this is the uh, David Gordon Green follow-up to uh, Halloween 2018. Now, uh, Kyle and I just took a big steaming shit all over this movie for like three hours or something. So, um, Brad, now that the dust has settled, where are you at with Halloween Kills? Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much right with you guys. Maybe like it a little bit more. Um but no, it's it's quite disappointing. I, but I, I honestly think the first half hour, maybe even the first half, is not bad. Like, it really is when it gets to the hospital, it falls apart. And from there on, it just gets worse and worse. But up to there, there are some things I like about it. Like, I love 
how he survives the fire. How mm-hmm. he gets in that, uh, whatever, the safe or whatever, or, you know, behind the garage door. Like, that's just such a, like, they set that up in the previous film. And because I'm thinking, okay, how is he going to get out of that? How is he going to get out of that fire? How is he going to survive? Is it going to be just like some stupid Mike, like, slasher thing? No, like, that actually checks out. Like, yeah, I can, I can buy that. Um, and, you know, I did like some of the kills uh, early on. I know when I reviewed it, I was a little critical of, like, the light fixture kill. And I was like, would. He, because I always look at Michael Myers as like he kills. He's just a killing machine nonstop, and then afterwards is when he kind of you know has fun and gets creative. Like, would he have gone for the light fixture, or would he have just grabbed a knife, like whatever was easiest to kill with? But I'm, um, you know, it was a cool kill. I'll get, I'll give it that. Um, so yeah, it was not great, but I, I might pick it up because like I love this franchise, and I'm sure I'm gonna watch it again. You know, I'm, even if I feel like I'm uh, being a masochist because of it, but. No, I mean, you love what you love. Like, I own plenty of shitty movies from franchises that I have just a special attachment to. It's it's the life of a collector and a movie lover. So I, I, I totally understand, Brad. And, and you know, I, I talked all sorts of shit about this movie. But you know what? I do want to watch it again. <laughs> like, like, I don't know what that says about me. I do have some masochistic viewing tendencies, but I actually do kind of have a little bit of an itch to go back and, I guess, confirm like all of my feelings about it. Yeah. I know I'm not going to enjoy it. It's not a good movie. Like, I think objectively, it has a lot of flaws. Like, it's just not that well put together. Although I will uh, back you on a on saying that like the first half hour or so is actually pretty well put together. It's it is set up pretty well. It's just when it all starts to get rolling that it's just like, what are we doing, guys? But um, what's curious about this one is something that is controversial uh, between Brad and I. So uh, we we do from month to month uh, another show uh, called Tales from the Shelf, uh, where we talk about our respective film collections. Um, Brad and I both have extensive physical media rele- uh, collections. Um, and we did an entire episode dedicated to talking about um, alternative cuts of films that we own on disc. And uh, right out the gate, Brad was pretty keen on pointing out, like, yeah, not the biggest fan of uh, having multiple cuts <laughs> hanging out there. It's like, I like to know that there's a prime cut that I that I can reliably come back to and know that's, that's the preferred cut. That's the one that everybody references. But um, the reason I go into detail about this is that... Um, this movie has the magic words on the cover that make my my ears perk up, and that would be extended cut. I am the biggest sucker for extended cuts, even even for especially for the shittiest of films. I own the Expendables director's cut. Nobody needs to own the Expendables director's cut, but I do <laughs> because I'm I'm a fucking idiot, and that's what I spend my money on. So I actually don't know. Um, what is included in the extended cut for this. However, I would be very, very curious um, to actually know what the additional material is. I I would have to assume it's just like extended sequences of violence or something, probably nothing essential to the story. But um, do you know anything about any of this, Brad? No, I I haven't really heard. I would just assume that, yeah, it's maybe a few more gore shots and just, you know, nothing really of substance but i haven't i haven't looked into it so i I i'm not too sure actually well if you end up picking this one up and i i have a feeling you're going to because like you said you like halloween 
Mm-hmm. I do too. I just don't own Halloween. I, I don't own that many horror films. But Brad is, like I said, more of the horror head between the two of us. So I, I wouldn't be surprised if you end up picking it up. If you do end up checking out the extended cut, please, please let me know um, what what the material entails because I'm curious about it. Yeah, it looks like uh, from a quick Google here, it's four minutes and two seconds longer than the uh, theatrical. That's not insubstantial. So yeah, there's um, there's something there. Yeah, that four minutes is that's a decent chunk of movie, honestly. Yeah. yeah. So hmm. Well, let me know. Um, uh, beside that, we also have a 4K release from Kino, our buddies at Kino, of The Great Escape from 1963, which is a movie that I quite I quite love. Uh, my dad had me watch it when I was very young. Um, I, I think it was uh, Elmer Bernstein maybe that did the music for it. It's fantastic. Um, uh, it's funny though the timing of this release because I think it was like just last year that Criterion put out their Blu-ray uh, of the same film. So it's it it's the eternal debate. This happens time and time again, oftentimes between Kino and uh, Criterion. Where do you get the HD Criterion disc with all the goodies and the pristine image quality, or do you get or do you do you hope that that 4K bump is going to make a world of difference and get the Kino one? Um, I would probably go with Criterion for this one, but that's just me. Yeah, I, I don't know, man. I mean, Kino, they've been, their 4K releases have been looking amazing. And, I mean, Criterion was a little bit late to the 4K game, and Kino has just been scooping up tons of these releases that Criterion recently put out. Um, this being one of them, Silence of the Lambs, another one. Uh, I do own the Criterion. I have not watched it. Um, cause yeah, it's just classic, you know, buy it and have it sit on your shelf and then a better version comes out and you buy that version and you don't watch that either. Um, <laughs> but I mean, to be fair, it's like a three hour movie. So I think it is, this, this is one where I don't feel too bad about not squeezing it in. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, if I hadn't picked up the criterion, I probably would have gone with the Kino cause they've just been killing it with their 4k releases. If this was just like, uh, I don't know, like a Paramount release or something on 4K. I wouldn't be all that interested. But Kino has been doing real solid work on their transfers. Um, but I probably won't get this because I do own the Criterion. So I should probably watch that one first before watching this. So we'll see. <laughs> well, I appreciate the insight, Brad, because yeah. actually I I don't even know if I have a Kino disc, honestly. So like, yeah, I really do appreciate the insight about their... Uh, 4k standards yeah i mean i know i i have hannibal and silence of the lambs both from them hannibal was like one of their first 4ks they've like in the last year they've gone just cuckoo bananas crazy just boom 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 so i think i think silence of the lambs might be the only one from within the last year that i got but it looked great it looked great i mean the movie is most certainly deserving of that treatment so i'm glad to hear that worked out um Okay, so Brad, I'm going to tackle two at once because both of these are relevant to you and not so much me. Um, so we have uh, Spencer uh, from 2021, which is, of course, the uh, Christian Stewart headlined film about Princess Diana. Uh, and then in addition to that, we also have Mass, also from ah. 2021. Both of these films uh, are certified fresh, according to the cover art. And both of these films, I think, were featured in your year-end wrap-up on the Cinema Speak podcast. Am I correct? Yes, yes. We uh, bestowed upon Kristen Stewart the award of Best Actress of the Year. 
And even though I said I didn't feel too strongly about it. Uh, <laughs> and uh, Mass was my number two film of 2021. I loved Mass. This movie, I can't maybe, I went in with kind of tempered expectations. It's directed by Fran Kranz, who uh, is the actor. He's probably best known. He's the guy in Cabin of the Woods. He plays the stoner. Um, and this is his first uh, time directing anything. So I was kind of like, you know, anytime an actor goes to directing, I'm like, eh, is this just some vanity project? They just want to stretch their artistic muscles. Um, and I mean, the direction is quite good, but I think the screenplay in this is phenomenal because it's literally for, I'd say, 90% of the movie, it's just four people sitting in a room talking and uh, it them talking about a very serious issue, a very serious tragedy that affected all four of their lives and just the way that it kind of tackles that subject and paints the ent- the picture of the entire event from the before the actual event and the aftermath and the way it lays it out. I just thought it was super well done, super interesting, amazing performances. Um, yeah, I was a real big fan of mass. Um, and Spencer was quite good too. Spencer looks amazing. Uh, I just didn't totally connect with the material um i don't know it was felt there was a lack of her interacting with like you know some of the big players in the royal family that felt a little weird to me and maybe that's just because i'm a big fan of the crown but like queen elizabeth really only has like one scene uh like it's a lot of her interacting with like um her uh personal assistant and the the chef at the place she's staying at and maybe that was just me going in with wrong expectations, but I thought it was good. It just didn't wow me. Um, but they're both worth checking out for sure. Yeah, I have heard they're both excellent films in their own right. And uh, as I had said, uh, Brad talks about them both in detail on his own podcast. Um, so uh, definitely check out that episode of his show, but um, also apparently just run out and check out these films because uh, Mass in particular, I've heard, is just stellar. Mm-hmm. Um and it was really funny because I remember listening to your your episode when you brought it up and you mentioned who directed it. You said Fran Kranz, is that the name? I believe so. If that's how you yeah, say you it, said, yeah. You said they they played the stoner in Cabin Fever, Cabin in the Woods, Cabin in the Woods. Okay, yeah. so I thought you said Cabin Fever because mm. apparently I just wanted to hear that, and I immediately jumped to the guy from Detroit Rock City <laughs> <laughs> who is not a stoner he's more of a drunk than anything else yeah like, the no pancakes guy <laughs> <laughs> but anyway apparently I have selective hearing sometimes uh, I was I was working I was working hey, that, while no, listening right. to the podcast I, mean, I may have misspoke I, I could have misspoke honestly it doesn't fucking matter <laughs> but anyway uh Spencer and Mass I've heard excellent things about both of them uh mass in particular i i really would like to sit down and watch uh spencer not in as much of a hurry although uh it does look like a very handsome movie from a like cinematography standpoint like mm-hmm. goddamn some of the shots in the trailer looked amazing um but moving right along uh we have juice 30th anniversary edition on 4k um this is a paramount release and it looks like uh the disc got a four out of five in terms of image quality. Damn. But uh, this film is headlined by Omar Epps and Tupac Shakur. Uh, I'm not familiar with this film, although I seem to remember it's it's a, a title that's popped up on the calendar 
a couple times recently, I think. Um, but moving right along, uh, we have, I think, our first Criterion release uh, for the month of January 2022, and this would be a, a very curious uh, cover here. Um, this is The Celebration mm-hmm. uh, Festen, uh, and this is from Thomas Vinterberg. Um, now, Brad, uh, am I correct in thinking that uh, he had a very recent release that was a big hit with, with critics and, and, by extension, you? I do believe he directed another round. Yes, yes, he did. Yeah. Which, yeah, that was, uh, you know, I, I liked it quite a bit. It was a big critical uh, favorite, and he got that surprise, that surprise nomination for Best Director. There's a, Usually there's four out of five director nominations at the Oscars that are like, yeah, those are the big ones we're expecting, but usually one just pops up out of nowhere. It's like a film that got one other nomination somewhere. And uh, it was uh, this guy for another round, which uh, was cool to see. Um, and, uh, yeah, I I know some about this film, the celebration, just the whole Dogma 95 movement. Um, I don't really know. I've never watched it, and I don't really know too much of what the actual film entails, but I love that cover. I mean, that cover, I think, is amazing for what this film is. I think that is perfect. I, that, I think that's an awesome cover. Yeah, it's in keeping in spirit with the Dogme 95 uh, setup. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it is a really cool presentation. I bet that would look really neat on the shelf. And, you know, I'd be interested to check out the film. Um, as we tend to say here on the show, uh, if it's from Criterion, it's probably worth your time, uh, even if you don't know what it is. In fact, maybe especially if you don't know what it is. But um, I kick it over to you again, Brad. What jumps out at you next? Um, let's see. What do we got here? Uh, we have Gambit with Michael Caine and Shirley MacLaine. So not the, um, who is that guy? Taylor Kitsch version is of it, Gambit. Is it Kitsch or Hitch? I always get that fucked up. Oh, maybe up it in is Hitch. I don't know. Um, yeah. I don't he's know. that guy. He, he's that guy. He's almost there. Like he's, he's always on the precipice of being something, but like at the end of the day, I think he's just always going to be John Carter from Mars or yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a shout factory release of the temp with Timothy Hutton. Uh, I don't know anything about this film. Do you? Uh, no, but Timothy Hutton's one of those actors that I, I continually forget that he was kind of, he was kind of hot there for a minute. Um, but not a minute when I was like part of like the like the intended audience for things. But like in the in the eighties and the nineties, he kind of had a run. Um, I mostly just know him for uh, was it was it the dark half? I think it was a Stephen King adaptation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I think that's right. But I think I looked at the screenshots though, and I think I see Oliver Platt's big old noggin. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's a selling that's, point. That's that big old watermelon. <laughs> <laughs> I love Oliver Platt. He makes me smile. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you also got Breaking In with Burt Reynolds um, coming from, I believe, Kino. Which, I mean, we got to get got to get some more Burt Reynolds love. <laughs> I mean, my uh, my family always has a running gag about the movie Gator. Uh, apparently, my dad's friend was really up on Gator, <laughs> and my mom was just like this fucking idiot. Like, get him away from my kids. <laughs> that and uh, Hooper, Hooper was the other big one. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, fucking Burt Reynolds, man. Uh, what else we got? Uh, looks like we have uh, the Pink Jungle 
uh, with James Garner and the and the Seventh Dawn. Uh, those are both from the '60s. Impasse from 1969. Journey to Shiloh, 1968, and uh. The card player from 2004, the only reason I draw attention to this is that it's apparently a Scorpion releasing disc, and uh, they're very proudly displaying that this comes with a slipcover, so any slipcover maniacs out there, you gotta get it. Even yeah. if you don't know what it is, you gotta get it. I might be sold on this one. Uh, that's if you, show me, if you show me a slipcover, I'm at least 30% more likely to buy it. <laughs> it's funny, I actually uh, returned a disc uh, just the other day, because it didn't come with a slipcover. And it was one of those unfortunate discs where, like, all of the text is removed from the actual packaging. It's it's exclusively contained on the slipcover. Ah. And normally, I, I, I'm i pretty lenient when it comes to slipcovers. Like, I, I, it's not a make or break for me. I will, I will proudly display a non-slipcover release next to a slipcover release. Uh, but this was a case where it's like, but how the fuck am I supposed to know what it is? Like, there's no text on it. <laughs> I need the slip cover. Otherwise I can't identify it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that was a deal breaker. So I did have to return that. That Good was unfortunate. Good for you. Good for you. Stand your ground. Good for you. I put my foot down. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> um, we have a striking cover art for a film called Emma uh, from 2019. This is from music box films. Um, Brad, do you know music box films? I believe uh, I could be wrong, but I believe they're a Vinegar Syndrome partner label. I want to say, don't quote me on that. Um, but I do know that this film. Speaking of uh, Spencer, this is from the same director. Uh, uh, what's his name? Um, Pablo Lorraine. Am I getting that right? Uh, where do I say? Uh, potentially. Pablo uh, yeah. Lorraine. Yeah. Um, and this was. I mean, it's got a release date here of 2019, but it actually didn't receive a uh, U.S. theatrical release until this year. And it just seems like uh, this one was kind of buried, and Spencer kind of got all the acclaim. And uh, I didn't even know that this was um, directed by Pablo Lorraine until recently. So, uh, I mean, this thing is flying under the radar. If you're a Pablo Lorraine head... Don't sleep on this one. I haven't seen it, but don't sleep on it. Okay, you heard it here, folks. Uh, I hadn't heard of it either, nor did I know that it was from the same director. But um, by the way, the uh, distributor, Music Box Films, um, I can't confirm if they are associated with Vinegar Syndrome. However, um, Kyle actually blind bought one of their discs a few years ago. Um, That's not something he does very often, honestly. Um, He picked up uh, Hagazusa, um, Mm. which is, I think, a a Scandinavian kind of like supernatural horror film maybe yeah um he he was just drawn to it for some reason he picked it up just on a fluke so yeah i want to just say real quick here so i don't sound like a crazy idiot uh music box films i guess is not associated with vinegar syndrome the vinegar syndrome partner label is called music box selects i have no idea if there's (laughs) a connection there um but when I go to Vinegar Syndrome's page and click on Music Box Selects, uh, I don't see any titles that are listed on Blu-ray.com under Music Box Films. So I don't know what the hell's going on here. Um, and I know Music Box Selects, all, all these are movies that deal with music, I believe, in some way. So okay. who the hell knows what's happening Okay, well, we'll have to reach out to our millions upon millions of fans out there to let us know. 
Like, smash that like button. Let I'm us pissed. know in the comments. I'm pissed. <laughs> Something's not right here. <laughs> Something is amiss. I gots to know. Yeah. Right fucking now. Um, we have I'm Your Man from uh, 2021. Uh, ich bin dein Mensch. Uh, so this is apparently a, I have to assume, a German or potentially an Austrian film. Uh, I don't know a thing about it, but it is certified fresh. Um, we also have a 4K release of Deep Red for, what, the fifth fucking time? How many times is this movie going to come out, Brad? Yeah, I, I, I want to say this is just standard, but I feel like the standard release of this has been out already, so I have no idea. Yeah, Arrow does. I mean, no criticism to Arrow. They make good product, but like the way their titles are arranged on the release calendar, for whatever reason, we get a lot of duplicates of their stuff. Maybe yeah. it's maybe it has to do with like cover art or like slip covers or packaging or something. Like maybe Could be. they do a, a limited release thing, like a TikTok kind of thing. But mm-hmm. um, I'm not entirely sure, certain what the deal is. But Deep Red, it's back. <laughs> um, um, Oh, that's fitting. We have a 2019 film by the name of Multiverse, which is apparently the the word of choice, the the marketing buzzword of choice in Hollywood uh, these days. We are just utterly inundated with multiverses these days. Um, it's getting a little bit annoying, if you ask me. <laughs> I'm mm-hmm. a little tired of it already. But uh, we have the uh, Mafu Cage uh, from Scorpion releasing. This is a 1978 release. Some of those screenshots are somewhat compelling. Uh, Can't speak to whether it's a quality film or not, but um, interesting. Um, uh, Something that we don't often talk about in detail here on on Catching Up on Blu-ray is uh, anime releases. And uh, the reason for that is that uh, from month to month, there are just far too many of these uh, to go over in detail, and unfortunately, I'm so far out of the game that I have no fucking clue what what's a big deal and what's not. What I do have some knowledge about is some of that old shit, though. Uh, some of those titles that were on the blockbuster shelves back in the day when we had to rent VHS tapes, badly dubbed VHS tapes. Um, so one that I'll highlight here that I don't believe is a debuting, I think this is a re-release, is from Sentai Filmworks' uh, Vampire Hunter D., from 1985 this was one of those essential like one of those quintessential early uh anime in america titles that you could rent at your your local video store um so i have fond memories of watching this very mediocre film uh in my youth um i already own it on dvd but you know maybe an upgrade is warranted at some point um any other titles you'd care to point out for this this week brad uh, I mean, Michael Shannon's got a movie called Heart of Champions, which feels like it's probably beneath him. Um, but that's that's about it, I would say. Yeah, man, Michael Shannon encouraging youths. Uh, that just sounds terrifying to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, don't I, don't want, I don't want Michael Shannon anywhere near my kids. <laughs> yeah, this uh, I've never even heard of this, so not a good sign. No, no, not at all. But so we'll we'll bounce on down to the the next week here, and we have uh, an off date release. They'll point out um, from January fourteenth, twenty twenty two. This would be Nezura, nineteen sixty four. Uh, this is a twenty twenty release. Uh, this is again a Japanese monster film, although um, I don't believe it's a giant monster film, as a Nezura refers to a mouse or rat. Uh, and I think this is part of a series. I seem to recall there being a Nezura film without the 1964. So apparently somebody 
uh, continued to get financing for their rat monster movies in Japan. Um, funny that. Uh, so let's bounce on down to the following Tuesday. That would be January 18th, 2022. And right out the gate, we have a 4K release of a title that I honestly can't recall if I've heard your thoughts on, Brad. And that would, of course, be Edgar Wright's uh, Last Night in Soho on 4K. Um, Brad, uh, have you seen this or do you have any thoughts on this one? I did uh, I did check this one out. Uh, it's not that great. Um, it's fine. You know, Edgar Wright, he's he's a solid director, and, you know, the film was pretty polished. Uh, it just, I gotta say, outside of uh, his stuff with Sean, uh, Simon Pegg and Nick Frost, this Edgar Wright guy, not really doing much for me. I was not crazy about this. I mean, like, I think I gave it a 3.5. Like, it's a, it's a good film, but it's not like, I mean, this Edgar Wright guy, people were claiming this guy was, like, the, the second coming, and I don't... I think oh, I, I'm losing faith. I'm I've, I've already lost faith. Scott Pilgrim, Baby Driver, get real. This guy is a good director, not a great one. He's got to get back with Simon Pegg. Simon Pegg is the real brains. I honestly, I, I mean, him and Nick Frost, I think are the funny together, and I think Edgar Wright relies on them a lot uh, for his films. Like his direction is good, but. You know, I think it's a lot. A lot of the humor is uh, what makes those films shine. But this one, it was okay. It's it's pretty obvious. Um, it yeah, I really don't have many strong feelings about it. Uh, but it's maybe worth watching. I don't know. Yeah, that sounds fairly consistent with with some of the buzz I've been hearing on the internets. Uh, not from you, obviously, but just like from reading reviews and whatnot. Sounds like this movie is not regarded as like one of his better films uh, i've heard it praised for its uh, visual elements and its editing which is a consistent theme among his filmography his his visual presentation and his editing is always pretty spectacular but uh, it just seems to be lacking that special something uh it doesn't seem to be particularly resonating with audiences and mm-hmm. honestly like even from a marketing standpoint i think it had a lot stacked against it because um, i found I, I don't think I was alone in, in struggling to comprehend exactly what I was what I was buying into um, yeah. when I was viewing some of the marketing. I was like, what what is it? <laughs> like, like like I think that's very important like in marketing is being able to very clearly identify what the thing is. like especially something like this that's like a, a high gloss like semi mainstream product. like it's not a high art film. It, like this is very much intended for for mass appeal and whatnot um but yeah i i don't know i'll I'll probably end up watching it at some point but i, I have no hustle behind that it's, it's just like i'll get to it when i get to it yeah i mean it it definitely i would say if i had to nail it down to a genre i would say it is a horror film but i don't know like it doesn't really commit to that enough like to be honest like i'd say hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead are way more gory and have some more like shocking imagery than anything in this and it's like this is the one that's supposed to be an actual horror film this feels like it was made by the mickey mouse club let's what's going on here give me some gore what's happening this thing's like tame yeah he i mean he's always had a thing about blending genres that does seem to be something he likes to play with but you know 
if I, one of the very few concrete statements I heard uh, from a marketing standpoint about the film was that it was Edgar Wright does horror. It's like, well, maybe do that then. <laughs> it's yeah. like, cause, cause you're, you're right. I haven't heard much. Honestly, I really haven't even heard that many descriptions of it as a horror film. Like all the discussion I've peered into is just focused almost solely on the, the visual presentation of it. Like, I, to this day, I still don't really know what it is, and I've read plenty of reviews about it. It's like apparently nobody, nobody talking about the movie remembers what it's about. They're just like, "You look cool." It's like, oh, yeah, I, I, I I'm gonna need a little more than that, guys. <laughs> I've seen it. I don't even know what to say. What it is? I don't. It's just it's well, Edgar like, Wright. That's that's what it is. Well, his name does carry enough weight. That's like, you know, you you take notice when he makes something because he doesn't make something all the time, and it is going to be visually stylish. It is going to be slick in its presentation. But yeah, I think I I tend to agree with you. Like, I'm not a connoisseur of his work, but uh, the Cornetto trilogy stuff does seem to be like top tier Edgar Wright. And there's there's some elements involved in the production of those that he hasn't been working with uh, in a while now. That's like maybe maybe just. Maybe come crawling back to Simon Pegg, see how it plays out. He might be. This could be hyperbole, but I'm just going to say might. He might be the most overrated director of the 21st century. I mean, in terms of, like, the uh, love and respect that this guy has, like, let's get real here. This guy has not made a good movie. I mean, this guy's not made a great movie outside of Simon Pegg and Nick Frost. I mean, Baby Driver it's not good and it's it's aged poorly in many ways i mean some of them out of his control but let's get real here <laughs> yeah no i i i'm not sure if i would agree wholeheartedly with that but very similar to what i said about makoto shinkai and that uh your name film it's like i i get a certain feeling in the back of my brain when when people gush about something a little too much and in my youth i was getting a lot of that from edgar wright stuff where it's just like all the people around me were just like, oh, any, he can't miss. Like, everything he makes, it's so great. It's like, then, and then I finally get around to watching his stuff. And of course, because I'm a shithead and I'm slow about these things, the first movies of his I end up watching are not the Cornetto films. <laughs> so I was like, I'll see what the big deal is. <laughs> maybe the way to do it, work up to his good stuff. I think it, I think it, uh, it's a more humbled perspective to come from. Cause like, for me, he, I never, I never put him on a pedestal because I started off with his, like, okay movies yeah and then i worked my way backwards to the to the actually really great stuff and i do think he's good but i've i've just never had a personal attachment to his work um so it is what it is but you heard it here folks overrated 100 percent, 100 percent. okay well um a film that i'm sure is not overrated i i have to assume anyway underrated Brad, take it away. <laughs> Candyman Day of the Dead, a.k.a. Candyman 3, Day of the Dead. The 1999 classic Candyman film, the third film in the Candyman franchise. This one, of course, directed by Tori Meyer, who we all know and love. Also, apparently directed Wrong Turn 2, which is maybe the most underrated of the Wrong Turn <laughs> franchise i mean if you're not putting this on your shelf you're doing yourself a disservice this is a vestron release this thing's only going to cost you 12 to 13 dollars this is a steal people if you're spending your money on that garbage last night in soho you are wasting your money you could probably buy three Candyman day of the deads for one last night in soho 
And uh, yeah, of course I already have purchased this. I went and uh, <laughs> I went to Walmart. I bought Candyman Day of the Dead and a new coffee maker. It was a great trip. It was a great trip. That does sound like a very nice trip, Brad. What what brand of coffee maker did you end up going with? I went with the brand I always go with. I went with Mr. Coffee. Hey, um, <laughs> I like to hear that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so folks at home, if you're not aware, if you haven't been listening to Catching Up on Blu-ray from month to month, shame on you. Um, Brad uh, has all of the Vestron video releases. Um, so this would be number 24, it appears. So he has all 24, and uh, he's just going to keep on grabbing them as they come out. Um, and I was actually kind of shocked. For some reason, I I haven't followed the Candyman franchise in detail. Like, it's not something I have a particular attachment to. I've, I've of course, seen the original, um, but none of the sequels. I suspected Tony Todd dipped out of the franchise at some point, but it does not appear that that was the case with this film. Uh, he He's in the cast. Uh, so... I'm always happy to see Tony Todd. He's he has a wonderful screen presence. Oh yeah, um, made me very happy to see them uh, work them into uh, the what was it Final Destination series. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just like I'm just happy to see him. It's like it doesn't even really matter if he does anything. It's just it's fucking Tony Todd. He's got that cool voice. He just has a cool way about him. Scary motherfucker, but he seems like a cool guy at the same time. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I think I I like him a lot in the Final Destination movies too. Is like what is he's the the morgue guy right is in the, at yeah. least in the first one yeah no he 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 almost like occupies almost like a like a crypt keeper kind of yeah. role or something where he's he's the guy that kind of knows what's going on even though he's how how he knows what's going on we don't really know it's just like who who let tony todd onto the set it's like I, I, have you seen the size of that guy it's like you are you gonna tell him to leave <laughs> <laughs> it's like well we may as well film a scene with him shit <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, Candyman 3, Day of the Dead, 1999. Um, and beside that, we have a Shout Select release of a film that I have to imagine is debuting on the format. Kind of shocked that it took this long, but uh, we have uh, Jim Carrey in uh, Liar Liar. Uh, this is, uh, I don't want to, you know, have you put your foot in your mouth there, Trevor, but you do uh, have final edit privileges on this, so feel free <laughs> to edit, fix yourself here. Uh, this is not debuting on okay. Blu-ray. Uh, I don't know if the other one is out of print, um, but it has been on Blu-ray before. This is just a new release from uh, Shout Select. Oh, okay. So the license, I guess, probably expired or something. Yeah. Went up for grabs, and then Shout grabbed it. Uh, good on them, because I do know that this film uh, is, I don't know, beloved by a great many people. Uh, not me personally, but it does have some truly awesome moments here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, some some highlight real moments for Jim Carrey, uh, kind of... Uh, towards the peak of his powers there but um any any feelings on liar liar brad listen might be the most overrated movie of the 90s no i'm I'm, I'm playing i'm playing um no it's you know yeah i don't hold it in any sort of high regard um it has been a while since i've seen it i you know like i think i agree with you there's some good moments there are some funny moments but i don't know it's just something about it kind of I have like I just can't bring myself to watch it. I don't know if it's just like the the courtroom stuff is a little too just like mund- it's the di- it's the divorce subplot yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's a little it's that nineties schmaltz. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know. It's it's fine, and I definitely think like if Jim Carrey wasn't the lead in this, I think this movie would maybe be unwatchable. 
<laughs> I, I mean, you're absolutely right. Like, they really do lean pretty hard on him. Although, I will say, Carrie Elwes, he's kind of like a secret weapon in this movie. Mm. He is, he's fucking amazing in this movie. Um, because he, he has that, he hits that tone where he's, he's like, he's like, I don't know, overly happy, like overly excited, overly kind stepdad. Who's like, wow, way to go, champ. Put on your backpack and let's go camping. Oh, oh it's yeah. the claw. And then that's like, he comes across as so artificial and just, just hokey. It's, it's an interesting performance. Cause it's like, not only is he having to cover his accent, which he's, historically bad at but but on top of that his energy is just it it strikes this comic tone to it that it's it's difficult to find the right balance and he manages to but yeah i I don't particularly love liar liar but there are some really awesome moments in it but um beside that uh, we have a film that i don't did you do a micro review of this on on your channel yeah i did i did talk about it briefly Uh, yeah titan uh, which is a uh, French film, I believe. It is from the director of Raw, which uh, I liked. And I liked Titan a fair bit. Uh, I didn't totally like outright love it on a first watch. There's a lot going on in it, and there are some very memorable moments, some uh, very shocking moments, um, and it's it's definitely worth watching and not the kind of film you'd watch uh with everybody uh you might need to not that it's like the worst thing i've ever seen in the world but definitely you know there's some weird shit that goes down in this i mean any movie where a woman squeezes motor oil out of her breasts might want to have a word of warning to watch with uh your your aunts and uncles but um yeah no it's 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 pretty solid it's worth watching okay uh yeah it's a movie that got a lot of buzz um not necessarily positive or negative, but just in terms of subject matter, uh, yeah, it uh, jumps out at you. Um, not a movie that I'm at all in a hurry to check out. In fact, I probably just won't bother with this one. Um, but, uh, you know, I've heard some of the buzz, so it's it's interesting. Sounds sounds very French. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, oh, yeah. um, beside that, we have uh, The Toolbox Murders from Blue Underground. This is a 4K release uh, from 1978. Um we also have, uh, not for the first time on the format, uh, Akira, uh, Katsuhiro Otomo's uh, Akira from Funimation. Um, I have like the Super Duper Special Edition of this on 4K. I don't remember when I got that, but I feel like it was a while ago. Um, but I guess this is the like the standard release of the 4K disc, and I can uh, say uh, it is quite a handsome uh, presentation. Uh, so if you're interested in checking out this film... Uh, most certainly pick up the 4K. It is quite handsome. Uh, we have uh, Shock from uh, Arrow uh, from 1977. Now, this is an Arrow disc, so I'm curious if this has been put out before. And I'm glancing at the page here, and it looks like maybe no. Looks think, like this might be a new disc. I think it is. I believe it is. Uh, this is the final film from Mario Bava. Ooh. Yes. His swan song, if you will. Um which uh, I don't know anything about what the movie's actually about. Um, you know, it's a late era Bava, so I've heard it's not like amazing or anything. Um, but I might pick this up actually, just because I like Arrow's releases. I like Mario Bava for the most part, um, and it's a movie I would want to watch at some point, just because you know any film by Mario Bava is worth checking out. Um, so yeah, 
Yeah, uh, the cover art is quite handsome. Um, Mario Bava, of course, carries quite a reputation, and to know that this is his final film, that's pretty big deal. And it's coming from Arrow. They generally put out good products. So, you know, I don't think it would be much of a gamble to pick that one up. Um, we have The Addams Family 2 from 2021. This would, of course, be the animated film, the CGI animated film. I haven't seen uh, the first one. Don't really have much interest. Maybe... If and when I have kids someday, I'll subject them to shit like this. But for now, I'll stick with Raul Julia uh, and Christopher Lloyd and whatnot. Um, we have another Arrow release of a, a, a Japanese film, uh, Red Angel, Akai Tenshi. Um, this is from 1966. Uh, I don't know anything about this, but uh, it looks heavy, if, I, if I'm being honest, just looking at the screenshots and whatnot. Um, I kick it over to you, Brad. What what jumps at you next? Well, I mean, maybe we should just uh, hit on all these in one group. I think this. I I guess I could be wrong, but I think this is the first batch of indicator releases that were released uh, in North America, because mm. uh, Indicator has been putting out stuff in Region B. They're a UK company. They finally have made the switch to Region A. I think this is the first week of their stuff. Um, and I don't really have much to say about any of them, to be honest, but we've got Hoffman, um, let's see, The Brute, The Blockhouse, Beyond the Door 2, a.k.a. Shock, which I don't think is the same Shock. <laughs> I was about to say, <laughs> yeah. A lot there, or is it? It's the same, is it, it's the same year. Yeah, that's confusing. <laughs> Who directed this one? Oh, this does say it was directed by Mario Bava. Weird. That is bizarre. So the same movie oh, wait, from oh, two no, different just, distributors. Okay. My bad. I'm nope. It's still Arrow. My bad. So okay, Arrow's got the rainbow on the bottom of their cover, and Indicator has it at the top, and it was just mixed in. It's just a different cover. Just yeah, folks. Folks at home, I know exactly what Brad's talking about. Um, you have to see it to understand it, but if you're familiar with how Arrow does their cover art and then you see um, one of these indicator slash powerhouse films uh, boxes, it's a very similar graphic. It's just at the top of the box instead of the bottom. Scratch that from the record. Get it out of there. And then <laughs> Nope, uh... that's staying in. <laughs> if I have my flub about Liar Liar, you have yours. All so right, all right. <laughs> and then I think fair. the last one uh, is Girl Stroke Boy. Um, again, yeah, yeah. yeah, these indicator releases, I don't know much about any of them, but, uh, I do, uh, I've heard great things about, you know, their output and, uh, I kind of want to pick them up just to, I mean, I don't want to start a whole vineyard or a Vestron thing again, where I'm buying every single one. Um, and I probably won't do that because they released like four of them in one week, but, uh, I do kind of want to pick some up just to, uh, experience the, powerhouse films indicator series line yeah by all means let me know how that goes because uh folks at home i feel like brad is more uh i don't know experimental in (laughs) in his uh in his uh collecting habit like like the the prospect of checking out a a new disc publisher is is kind of an exciting one Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's not one that i indulge in uh probably as often as brad so yeah let let me know how those turn out because i did note um, I did note their label appearing on the calendar this month, but I, I actually didn't know 
uh, what their history was. So it sounds like, yeah, they, they recently started printing discs in Region A, um, and they're coming out swinging. Um, but yeah, uh, I'll point out that there's, uh, is that Eric Bana? That is yeah. Eric Bana. Uh, a film called The Dry, uh, starring Eric Bana, also certified fresh. Good fucking God, how many tomatoes are we going to have this month? <laughs> um, I, I always get a little smile on my face whenever I think of Eric Bana because I, yeah. A friend of mine is is he's a he's a car guy, and uh, there was a documentary that Eric Bana made uh, several years ago um, about his car habit, and apparently that's the story behind Eric Bana's acting career, is it was just a means of financing his car habit, um, and then he made a documentary about his cars and stuff, and uh, he just had this expression uh, like all that's good in life. He's like my mates and my beast <laughs> and his beast is his car <laughs> so whenever i think whenever i see eric Bana, i think my beast and he's not talking about his dick he's talking about his car <laughs> although who knows <laughs> who knows what goes on at the banner household yeah yeah <laughs> um but beside that we have a uh another criterion release uh from 2020 actually um striking cover art has almost like a sumier kind of look to it uh, and it's from 2020 it's uh, director Garrett Bradley and simply called Time. Uh, almost like aside from the the sumie, like the 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 paintbrush stroke on it, uh, the font and the positioning, of the title almost looks Nolan esque. Although the lettering's a little tall for his standards. Um, we have the sexy box, nineteen eighty one to nineteen eighty three. Oh, uh, a title I actually can say some legitimate things about. Uh, this hasn't happened in a while. <laughs> so, uh, Escape from Mogadishu. Uh, this is a well-go disc. Uh, they specialize in, like, quote, Asian action cinema. <laughs> so the reason I have to say it that way is that they, they cover uh, they cover cinema from a variety of territories, but it's mostly Japanese, Korean, and Chinese releases. Um, anyway, uh, they put out a lot of titles that I gobble up, and this is one of them uh, because this happens to be from my personal favorite uh, Korean director. Uh, this is from Drew Sung-won, uh, who directed a film that we reviewed on the show, uh, Crying Fist. Um, the, the movie that uh, put him in my good graces forever, though, is a, a little film called City of The City of Violence, I believe, uh, from the mid-2000s. And uh, I, he, he is, his stylistic sensibilities and, and his ability to construct really really awesome action sequences and like really vile villains and stuff like his movies always have just like the most pants shittingly awesome villains um he, he's a wonderful action director uh he he uh his output in recent years in korean cinema has been trending in a direction that's troubling to me personally in that like korean cinema in general seems to uh have tr- turned a corner in recent years um, largely because Korean culture and society ha- has done that as well. Um, they, they're no longer striving to be in the spotlight. They're, they're firmly in it. Um, and as such, I feel like, I don't know, things have softened a little bit. Like their, their action movies aren't as, as gritty. Their, their, their horror movies aren't as nasty. Like there's just like a, a slight edge missing. Things feel somewhat sterilized. Like I, I've seen a handful of Korean action movies, like, revenge themed movies which is always a popular theme in korean cinema uh where there just was something missing where it's like man a few years ago like you really would have had to like 
step on the gas at some point in order to pe- keep people engaged because this this just would not cut it by the standards of a few years ago um but in recent years this director has kind of been trending towards more like blockbuster like big big like action thriller like like the equivalent of like summer blockbuster type action films as opposed to like street level like cops and robbers kinds of movies which in my mind is what he's best at um and he he did this movie called the i think it was battleship island which is about uh, a lot of borderline slaves like koreans uh, living on a, a japanese factory island um, in the midst of world war ii and it it takes this like really heavy subject matter and it turns it into like this blockbuster action movie that feels almost michael bay-esque in some of the ugliest of ways it's not a terrible movie it's just like why are you why are you doing this why why are you who gave us so many fun cops and robbers movies that had like a good sense of fun to them doing this like really heavy fucking war movie um and now we have this escape from mogadishu movie which i i do own already i haven't watched it yet but i'm very excited to check it out um the subject matter sounds like it it really could trip and fall flat right on its fucking face because the there's some stuff in here that like on a conceptual level sounds like you might want to be very careful how you navigate this territory um politically and socially maybe they could step on some toes with this but i'm curious to see if he can if if the magic's still there because i he he did a movie a few years ago called veteran um that was fucking awesome and it's very much a cops and robbers kind of story with with a lot of humor a lot of style a lot of flair um, and it was very much what I love him for. And th- there's been there's been talk of it getting a sequel for several years now. But in the intervening years, he's just been doing these big like war movies and stuff. It's like, man, can we just like get back to basics? So this is enough to like tide me over. But it's like this is me wagging my finger at him and being like, go back to the hits. Like I, I want to see you go back to like punchy punchy. Not no more shooty shooty. More more punches. More kicks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah I'm, I'm excited to check this one out though but um we have the last sun from 2021 which has a terrible cover absolutely terrible and good god brad look at this cast look at this cast we have Stacked. Okay, with that remark, Brad, you you have to let the public know who 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 is in the stacked cast. Well, of course, I mean, how much more stacked can you get? But then the guy who was in at one point the highest grossing movie of all time, the lead actor in the highest grossing movie of all time, Sam Worthington. You've got Colson Baker, up and coming actor. Everybody's talking about this guy. I don't know if you know, but he's like gonna he's getting ta- almost he's gonna be casting everything. This guy is. Nobody can stop talking about Colson Baker. You've got Golden Globe nominee Thomas Jane. We don't mess with the Oscars anymore. Golden Globe nominee, that's where it's at. And you've got Heather Graham. Always glad to see Heather Graham pop up. I love Heather Graham, and I'm not I'm not joking like the other three. I do like Heather Graham. I do too, actually. Yeah, the I, other I really three, I like was Heather joking, Graham. but I like Heather Heather Graham. <laughs> I like Heather Graham and Thomas Jane is he's like near the top of my list of people that it makes me sad to see them on cover art these days because I really like Thomas Jane but I think he has like personal problems or something because mm-hmm. like the, the the caliber of work that's been offered to him as of late has not been great 
Um, but I've always liked him. But I think I did hear rumors that like he, as a person, he's not doing well or something. So that's a shame because I, I really did enjoy him when he was kind of at the peak of his powers. But um, beside that, we have Don't Let Her In from 2021. And I, oof, uh, Brad, would you mind zooming in? on the cover art to this one because you need to specifically the hand and the fonts yeah like, that's uh not yikes. looking great that's <laughs> i mean i expected more from the director of subspecies but uh i mean aiptcomics.com did say it's moody horror that's a gory reminder of what the genre can be yeah that that blur effect on the hand good god and the fonts like i i mean it it I I try not to be overly judgmental about these things, but like I legitimately could do better and yeah. have and have done better. <laughs> so I'll make of that what you will. But uh, beside that, we have a TV movie release, uh, Inherit the Wind from Kino. Um, stacked fucking cast, actually legitimately stacked cast. We have Jack Lemmon and George C. Scott and everybody's favorite relic from the 90s, Tom Everett Scott. Mm. What could have what could have been, Brad? If Tom Everett Scott had hung around and become the second coming of Tom Hanks as he was intended to be, my God, the world would be such a happier, better place. Could have been. But no, instead he decided to dip out, uh, stop making mainstream movies, and then uh, he ended up doing a uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme movie where uh, he gets in a fist fight with Orlando Jones, a.k.a. the Make 7 Up Yours guy. (laughs) Yes, that's a movie that exists. It's called Enemies Closer. And it is most certainly on my shelf. <laughs> uh, we have VH Mas- VHS Massacre 2. T-O-O-2. From Troma. This is from 2020. Um, and apparently this is actually a feature film. For some reason I thought it was going to be a uh, documentary or something. But hmm. I guess not. Um, oh, uh, one thing that I... Uh, one title that I don't know anything about other than a single makeup effect. And I'm actually curious what the movie even is. Maybe you know, Brad. Um, this game's called Murder from 2021. It has a very loud cover art, very very uh, contemporary cover art in, in that it has quite a bit of pink and triangles on it. I don't know what it is about triangles, man, but they're like on everything these days in terms of graphic design. Like, <laughs> yeah. like that's the that's like the the lazy shortcut where it's like I don't know what to put on this cover. It's like I don't know, put a neon triangle on it. It'll it'll be fine. It's like, oh yeah, that'll work. That'll that like I seen Mandy. <laughs> like that'll work. But um, this game's called Murder, Brad. Have you have you heard of this movie? Do you know anything about it? Maybe I've heard the title. Um, but no, I don't really know much about it. Okay, I know nothing about it other than I stumbled across a uh, some behind-the-scenes photos from uh, one of the makeup technicians that worked on it, and holy fucking shit, somebody gets their head blown off in that movie, and I can confirm, it looks fantastic. <laughs> um, that's, that's literally the only thing I know about the movie, um, but hats off to whoever that makeup person was, because that looked phenomenal. Sometimes that's all you need. I mean, it, it piqued my interest, man. I was like, that is a human's face that's been caved in with a shotgun. And it looks stunningly convincing. Um, we have uh, oh, The Awakener uh, from Shout Factory. This is from 2018. And uh, I think this might be a Brazilian film. Hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure what it is. It has like a horror vibe, but also has a little bit of a superhero vibe to it. Kind of curious. But uh, the Stendhal Syndrome 
from uh, Blue Underground. Uh, this looks like a movie that's up your alley, Brad, uh, being as it has, uh, was it Asia Argento? Yeah, it, it is a Dario Argento film. I th- I'm pretty sure this has been out uh, before from Blue Underground, so I think there's just a repressing. Um, I mean, don't quote me on that. I could be wrong. This could be a liar, liar situation. I could be, li- I could be liar, liar right now. <laughs> no, uh, Blue Underground seems to have a similar release rhythm to yeah. Arrow. Like they, they do populate the calendar with a lot of re-releases and whatnot. So I wouldn't be surprised if we've seen it before. But uh, yeah. odd that they wouldn't have put it out on uh, 4K though, potentially because they love to re-release stuff on 4K. But who knows? Yeah, I mean, it, do you know? Is this a is this a remarkable Argento film by any stretch? No, I've heard it's not like bottom of the barrel, but basically the the closer to present day you get, the worse his movies become. Well, I guess I haven't seen any of his 90s output, so I can't say, uh, but that's kind of what the general consensus is. I, I mean, that sounds fair to me, but um, bouncing on down, it looks like uh, Walmart is putting out a collection of special edition covers for previously released films, uh, ranging from... Uh, Sylvester Stallone films, uh, Sicario, John Wick, uh, and Highlander and Dread, and as well as the most recent Hellboy. So we're all over the fucking place. But uh, if you're into special edition covers, uh, I guess January would be a good month to run out to Walmart to grab some of these. Um, we have uh, a movie called Beans. Uh, it's an eye-catching cover. I don't know what it is, but it's called Beans. <laughs> it's from 2020. Um, Not an even Stevens spinoff, I don't believe. I'm, it's from uh, Film Rise. It's called Beans. And I'm just going to read the description because now I'm curious. Uh, 12-year-old Beans is on the edge. Dorn between innocent childhood and delinquent adolescence, she is forced to grow up fast to become the tough Mohawk warrior that she needs to be during the indigenous uprising known as the Oka Crisis, which tore Quebec and Canada apart for 78 tense days in the summer of 1990. Uh, so Beans is going to get up to get up to some business. Uh, interesting. Um, any other titles that uh, jump out at you for this week, Brad? No, I don't. I think that about covers it. Yeah, okay. Well, let's uh, bounce on down to January 25th. And, uh, Brad, you're going to have to help me here, as you do every month. Um, Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, what are we dealing with here? What do we got from Vinegar Syndrome? Because every month, Vinegar Syndrome's got a slab of new releases, and sometimes it's a little hard to keep track of it all. Yeah, we do have a, a handful of uh, Vinegar Syndrome releases here. Let's see. I know Dead Heat 4K coming out uh, through Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, we also have the new uh, Forgotten Jolly Volume 4 edition. We've got Curfew, Master of the World, Fortress of America, um, and then I do believe Anyone But My Husband slash Sweet Pumpkin is uh, one of their Picarama titles if you're into uh, purchasing some pornography on Blu-ray. And uh, The Scary of 61st is a 2021 film. It's one of their... Uh, uh, Vinegar Syndrome Pictures releases, so I don't think they actually produced this or anything like they did with New York Ninja, but uh, I think the other film that they did was Censor, where they kind of just uh, acquired it and put their name on it, and so this is another one of those with a, a pretty cool uh, reflective mirror cover, I have to say. Um, I don't know a ton about any of these releases. Uh, I mean, Dead Heat is probably the biggest um, and even that I don't know too much about, 
but uh, they're vinegar syndrome, so I'm gonna want to pick them all up. Yeah, vinegar syndrome is kind of the uh, the the crown jewel, I guess, of of boutique uh, disc publishers. Um, they they really are special. Um, their their catalog is extensive. Their 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 management of their product is it seems the most it it seems and feels to be the most hand picked and curated among distributors because like we like we had said about Kino they do they do wonderful work but their catalog is so extensive that it doesn't have like a particular vibe to it it's like from week to week you'll just get like whatever the fuck we got whereas Vinegar Syndrome has a very consistent brand like there's a very clear focus on on what they're about mm-hmm. and if you're and if you're about what vinegar syndrome puts out um you're more than likely a huge fan and already own quite a few of their discs um i actually don't have very many vinegar syndrome discs but um i have a feeling they are they are going to probably very aggressively start moving into film production um because like you said sensor i do believe they had a hand in in producing to some extent or at least distributing um and it just seems like there's a lot of platforms doing exactly what we're doing right now and singing their praises um, such that I, th- I think it's very feasible for them to to get their profit margins such that, you know, instead of curating these, these older films, instead of restoring these older films, maybe we ought to start just making films of this variety that we we already know we have an embedded audience that will appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think they're on the precipice of that. Like that—that's a gut feeling. I don't have any facts or numbers to back it, but I'm not going to be surprised at all if that happens. But um, I could—I actually own Dead Heat. Um, I have the—I uh, had to look it up. The Image Entertainment release, uh, the Midnight Madness series. Um, it's a—it's an okay disc. Like it's not—it's probably not to the standards of Vinegar Syndrome, but it's an okay movie on top of that really really awesome concept um i don't know if you know anything about it brad but it's basically a buddy cop movie um where one of the cops slowly transforms into a zombie over the course of the film um it's joe piscopo and hopefully friend of the show treat williams always love treat williams (laughs) i don't know what it is about him but i'm always happy to see treat williams uh, we definitely need to do another Treat Williams movie review at some point here on Catching Up on Cinema, but it's a really fun movie. It has some really awesome makeup effects, and there's this really awesome moment um, towards the end of it that's if you're if you're ever curious what what a, a gunfight between zombies looks like, it's a wonderful representation of it because it's just two guys with Uzis just opening up on each other and making no attempt to avoid the gunfire. It's, it's just like a squib fest for a good solid ten seconds straight. It's it's wonderful. Also, there's a a, a zombie cow carcass I think uh, in the film, uh, which is not something I think I've ever seen before. Um, but yeah. A pretty decent recommend um, if you're interested in this one. And I'd be very curious. Like, I, I own one of Vinegar Syndrome's 4Ks, and it's pretty handsome. I have Beastmaster. Um, but, yeah, aside from that, um, that's probably the only Vinegar Syndrome title this month that I'm interested in, although, unfortunately, it just happens to be one that I already have, so, <laughs> so I'm probably not going to run out and get it. Although I have heard uh, via the, the guys from Wisconsin, uh, Red Lighter Media, um, they did a, a brief review for the sc- the scary of sixty first, and uh, they did make it sound like a, a quality film. Uh, not for everybody, 
absolutely not for everybody. Um, but if you're into what, if you're again into vinegar syndrome stuff, apparently it's it's very much worth your time. Um, also, the cover art for uh, Master of the World is a uh, quite handsome. I I really do like that. Yeah, that uh, is nice. The use of the use of color and the font is is really strong on that one. But uh, bouncing on down, uh, I will note that we have The Piano from 1993 on 4K coming out from uh, Criterion. So they're continuing their trend of releasing uh, 4K discs. And uh, I think uh, I think Kyle may have had a flub on our most recent episode here because uh, I think he, me- he mentioned uh, Michael Haneke directing The Piano. And I think he directed a film called The Piano Teacher. Yes, um, yes. So- Different piano movie, Kyle. Sorry about very, that. Very, di- very different, actually. Yeah. Sorry about that. I, I probably should have edited that out. I had a gut feeling. I didn't have time to do the research, but as I was listening to the playback just a few hours ago, I was like, I don't think that was the same film. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that it happens. On, it, I mean, it's happened twice already today. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the piano on 4K from Criterion, more than likely, that is quite a handsome package. Uh, we also have Lamb on 4K from A24, uh, which was also from 2021. This is apparently uh, maybe a somewhat irritating, if not challenging, film. Uh, I've, I've heard very mixed reviews of this one. Um, do you have any thoughts on Lamb, Brad? Yeah, I did check it out. Uh, I wasn't overly crazy about it. I liked kind of the, like the central idea and the look of the the creature, I guess. I thought was you know, pretty striking and interesting to watch. Um, but I don't know what it was getting at. Just like, I felt very shallow and kind of boring, like not a lot happened. And I don't know, kind of, it did build up to something at the end, but even that was kind of like, Oh, that, that's it. Like you could have done more with it. I I don't know. So it was okay. Kind of like very small scale film kind of like felt like a director being like, okay, let's make this movie. Let's give it this like prestige horror sheen, even though I I don't even know if I would say it's a horror film. Um, and we'll kind of experiment with some cool effects ideas, and uh, I'll get to direct the next Marvel movie then. Bada bing, bada boom. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, uh, not not really in my wheelhouse. I, I'm not interested. In fact, I think Kyle may have been flirting with the idea of reviewing it or at least watching it or so, at some point, and I was like, please, please don't please don't make me review that <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah that all but confirms it so um, moving on uh we have a film that i believe you did review for the cinema speak podcast probably a while ago uh dick johnson is dead oh yes uh, yeah yeah uh, coming out on the criterion collection another netflix original criterion's putting out which is always nice to see um yeah this is a great documentary uh, about a woman who boy i, I kind of don't remember too much about the film but i want to say she's chronicling her dad uh slowly kind of succumbing to dementia a little bit uh but it doesn't go like as um dark like he doesn't like totally like lose himself or anything like that um he just he just gets old basically but it she stages these uh, elaborate set pieces of how he could potentially die and like there's a sequence where they film him getting crushed by an air conditioner and uh you know it's it's kind of uh, fantastical in that way but it's it's a very moving heartwarming documentary and uh yeah it it 
definitely, uh, I, I want to say I teared up a little bit at it. I don't know if I full-on drop tier, but uh, I definitely teared up. Yeah, I, I remember your review of it, and I, I was like, that sounds very charming. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it does sound like it would probably affect me on some level. So I I would actually totally watch that. Um, I don't have Netflix, so it, that explains why I haven't already. But um, And I'm also not going to run out and buy a Criterion disc of Dick Johnson is dead. <laughs> like, for fuck's sake, I'm the guy who has Escape from Mogadishu waiting to <laughs> waiting in his queue on his on his backlog. So yeah. I don't have time for that right now. But, you know, it does sound like a fun movie. It does sound really charming. But um, moving on down, uh, got a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of re-releases, that's for sure. Hey, it's Kurt Russell making his It's My Birthday face. <laughs> for the cover art for dreamer i don't know if you've ever seen that video but it's it's adorable it's like it's like goldie hahn filming him on her cell phone and she's like what day is it and he turns around he like he sounds like he's five years old he's like it's my birthday (laughs) (laughs) and that's the same fucking face he made (laughs) um we have uh I it I have to assume it's a a re-release uh, a Dario Argento film Trauma from 1993, um, also from Vinegar Syndrome. Uh, we have uh, probably an alternate cover art for Censor uh, from 2021, presumably also from Vinegar Syndrome. Um, what else we got, Brad? Anything else jumping out at you? Uh, only thing I'll mention. It's a little bit further up. It's a movie called The Brain Eaters. Uh, which is coming out through Shout Factory. Only reason I'll mention it is because uh, it's a Shout Factory disc. You can buy it exclusively on their website. I believe it is limited to 1,500 copies. And uh, they're charging twenty six ninety eight for this thing. And Ooh. under bonus features, the only thing listed is new 2K scan of a fine-grained film element. So... Basically twenty six ninety eight for just the movie, which uh, I think is pretty pretty steep <laughs> for the brain eaters. I mean, at least like hire somebody to do a commentary track or something. Come on now, <laughs> fuck yeah. hire me. I'd do it. I don't know anything about the movie. I'd record one. I mean, you have to make sure to state that on the audio track, like every other line. Just like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> it's like, some guy something. paid me some money. <laughs> Give us a trailer or something. Like, it doesn't even say there's a trailer. Yeah, that that's not cool. Like, it, for that price, come on, you, you got you got to do something. Yeah. Like, like even if it's something nobody actually cares about, just the gesture is important at that point. So, yeah. Um, moving on down here, we got. Uh, a Japanese film called Days from Grasshopper Film. Uh, no, Chinese, excuse me. Um, I did hear some good things about this. Uh, oh, yeah? I, I saw it on at least one uh, best of the year list um, for 2021. Uh, I don't know much about it. I can't remember. I think I read the plot synopsis, and I was like, it sounds like it could be intriguing, and I threw it on my to-watch pile list for 2021 films and uh didn't get around to it but okay well grasshopper film seems to specifically seem to cater to like art house cinema and that cover art is quite handsome Mm -hmm. like that's a very nice package Um, so i wouldn't be surprised if it is a work of quality but um i'm curious brad have you ever run across this thing called gomorrah this this italian show 
Yes. Uh, wh- where is this? Uh, where are you seeing this at? Uh, it's on the row below days. Um, Gamora. Why am I not seeing it here? But I do know what you're talking about. Um, okay. I- I'm just curious because I've seen it like aggressively advertised and I have no fucking clue what it is, but I just see this guy's fucking face everywhere and he keeps, he keeps mean mugging me through my computer like seemingly every day. And I'm I'm not inclined to actually check this out. It's just like, oh shit, there's a Blu-ray of it. So apparently, it, it has some footprint in the U.S. Yeah, um, I have to, I have to assume through like Netflix or something. Again, a service I don't personally have. I I just remember the the quote that's on the cover. I've seen that quote used pretty much any promotion for the show. Uh, Italy's answer to Breaking Bad. I mean, like if if you want to introduce somebody to like somebody who doesn't necessarily cater like to to like foreign cinema or something like that's probably a safe way of doing it but uh, i will point out we have a uh, mulfi or mafi uh, from shout factory also certified fresh if i don't know i can't recall seeing more tomatoes in a single month um it's apparently dealing with uh south african issues um is basket case from arrow that's a re-release for sure yeah um uh, I think it's a re-release, but I will point out that uh, Jesus Shows You the Way to the Highway uh, is being put out by Arrow. Um, I've heard that movie is absolutely wild and is a very interesting watch. Um, I've heard mostly good things is what I'm getting at. Mm-hmm. Um, and beyond that, uh, any others that you'd like to point out, Brad? Because it looks like the rest of it might just be re-releases. Yeah, it's, we've we've seen all this shit before, I think. <laughs> okay well yeah that's about it for the month of january 2022 but as is customary we will uh wrap up with a just a little summary of all the titles that uh we might buy or rent or at the very least just find it find an excuse to watch so i'll allow brad to collect his thoughts so i'm gonna just work my way backwards through the calendar and just point out anything that might be grabbing uh this month um Wow, that's an entire week that I'm not going to get anything. <laughs> that's not a good sign. Uh, so I'm moving up through the calendar. Um, that might be another week. Uh, I mean, I already have Escape from Mogadishu, so I guess that's one. We got one, folks. We All got right. one. And we're, we're halfway through the calendar. We got one. Cool. Uh, we got one on the board. Um, Dune. Uh, 4k like i said i i will be getting that i'm not sure when um maybe as we draw closer to like an announcement for the second one or something but i'm not in a super big hurry to grab that but that is for sure something i would very much like to watch again and have on my shelf um and uh yeah after (laughs) after uh brad's uh confirmation of the quality or lack thereof of antlers uh not going to be picking that up um good god brad this might be this might be the month this might be the worst month i think think that's it i think we've had worse before i do think we've had worse um yeah is that it for you (laughs) that that was it uh escape from mogadishu and dune someday all right (laughs) i'll mention nothing for me the first week although i did just watch antlers um I'll be getting Dune and Halloween Kills, and uh, I'll be picking Mass up at some point. 
I'm sure. Um, I mean, the, the only issue with this uh, disc is there's like the only bonus feature is the trailer. So, you know, it's almost the point where it's like, unless I can, unless this drops below $10, I might keep my eye on iTunes. I might just buy this digitally, potentially. I don't know. Um, but I do, I want to see the film again, even though it's like kind of a heavy film. It's but I'm like, I'll, I'm in, I'm in baby. Um, um, let's see. I already got Candyman Day of the Dead. I probably will get shock at some point for the Mario Baba angle and uh, the piano 4K. I think I'll be getting in the next Criterion sale because I think I'm gonna I'm going all in on these 4Ks from Criterion. I mean, they kind of they dropped the ball initially with the Citizen Kane one, but I think I'm I'm getting the piano. I think uh, uh, Hard Day's Night, I think they just put out on 4K. I'm going all in. on the, I might never buy a Criterion Blu-ray again. We might just be 4K only from this point. So uh, let's do it. But that's it. Yeah, it does It does look like maybe uh, Citizen Kane got like a second pressing or something because they do advertise that on, on this month. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously it came out a little while ago, but it does look like maybe that's what that's supposed to be indicating. I'm curious, Brad, do you think maybe because I have heard a lot of good things about mass, um, do you think maybe it, it could turn into a, a parasite situation where there is an initial Blu-ray release and then very shortly thereafter, like criterion grabs it or something? It's potentially, potentially. Yeah. I mean, I think the, main issue with that is that it, it's such a small film um but i could i could see criterion like i you know i wouldn't see it from any other label but i could see criterion because it is such a small single location setting like they could work with that um so that that is potentially something that could maybe happen uh it seems like it's been getting a lot of praise but in terms of uh oscar consideration and dowd is maybe the big chance that it would get a nomination her for supporting actress. Um, but even she is kind of a little bit on the outside looking in. Uh, so, I mean, we'll see if she gets a nomination, then could be potential momentum for more people to check it out, but people should check it out anyway, because she's great in it, no matter what the Oscars say. <laughs> okay. Well, uh, I guess the last thing I'll point out here is that, uh, in case you cared, uh, Chippendale Rescue Rangers uh, is being put out on Blu-ray this month. Yeah, I can't believe um, we missed that one. I can't believe we missed that. I mean, all this talk about Criterion, we could have been talking about Chippendale Rescue Rangers. Fuck, man. What kind of show is this? Um, <laughs> and also, I will point out that uh, from Discotech Media, uh, an anime title that is worth pointing out for like an, an old-timer like myself, uh, Appleseed, the original OVA series from the late 80s, and now that we, now that we've uh, talked on tales from the shelf, uh, Brad probably, maybe, hopefully, actually knows what OVA means. Now, um, this would be an example of one of those from Japanese animation, an original video animation. So this is not quite a feature film. It was a direct-to-video animated release from the late '80s. Uh, it's from uh, Masamune Shiro, uh, who is the original author of Ghost in the Shell. Um, but not the director of the the beloved 90s film. And uh, Appleseed is not Ghost in the Shell. I'll just say that much. It is considerably of of a lesser caliber. But uh, that cover art, though, uh, always always an eye catcher, like always a looker. But 
Um, anyway, I think that's about all I got to say for this month. So, um, yeah, not a whole lot of pickups for either of us, but uh, Brad got a Vestron, and, you know, if nothing else, got to keep that going. But, yep, um, for sure. As always, uh, thank you so much for joining me, Brad. I really appreciate you helping out uh, reviewing the calendar with me. This is always a great time for me. Yeah, happy to be here. It's always a fun uh, fun uh, way to add to the shopping list. Oh, yeah, yeah. This is This is basically just you the dear listener listening in on us like assembling a shopping list from month to month so hopefully it's entertaining if not whatever it's fun for us so whatever but um before we go though brad uh would you care to let the listeners know where they can find you and your awesome podcast yeah it's the cinema speak podcast we are on itunes stitcher spotify wherever you listen to shows uh just search for cinema speak we are on Twitter at the Cinema Speak, on Instagram as Cinema Speak Podcast, and on YouTube as Cinema Speak. And you can just find us on the web at cinemaspeak.libsyn.com. Very cool. Thanks for that, Brad. Um, any any news on the videos? You got any uh, in editing right now? Uh, nothing in editing. I might do a video version of my top ten of 2021. That might be my next thing because. You know, might get a couple hits on that. We'll see. <laughs> well, at the end of the day, you know, if you have fun doing it, just yeah. go for it, man. Just turn on the webcam and roll. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to see that uh, if ever you get around to it. But um, in the meantime, though, uh, folks at home, if you'd like to uh, catch up on any of our Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find all of that collected on our website at catchinguponcinema.com. Uh, you can also find us on the social medias. Uh, on the Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as on the Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up at either of those. Uh, and the show is available on pretty much every podcasting platform you can imagine, including Cephalopod. So fucking Google it. And uh, that being said, thank you so much for listening, and we will catch you next time. Man, Mission Impossible, when the fuck is that coming out? Top Gun 2, when the fuck is that coming yeah, out? Yeah, I know. just keeps getting delayed, and I've been seeing jokes where they say the, what, what I forget how they said it, like Mission Impossible, the, the like plot of Mission Impossible 8 will be how, like, them trying to release Mission Impossible 7 or something like that. Like a meta commentary yeah. film about the... The, the dangers of navigating the Hollywood landscape amid COVID. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be weird. Like, I mean, they're gonna be like five years past when they were shot at this point. Like, Tom Cruise. I mean, I don't even know what he looks like anymore. He could be I, gray. I mean, there was all those uh, photos of him surfacing where everybody was like, "He looks weird." <laughs> like, it's like, well, you know, he he's had a lot of work done to continue to look like Tom Cruise from the early 90s or late 80s it's kind of similar to sylvester stallone you remember the mid 2000s where he looked like fucking frankenstein's monster yeah yeah <laughs> and then magically like 10 years later somehow he looks more like he used to in the 70s it's like surgery and drugs man yeah it's gonna be it's, weird it's powerful it'll be weird when old age catches up with him like because it's gonna like I, I don't know it just seems like it's gonna be I don't know how he's how how he's gonna handle it. I guess I, Stallone. I feel like it's gonna drop like a hammer. Like mm-hmm. Tom Cruise. I I don't know, man. He's got some of that special alien juice. Like like he he'll he'll go kicking and screaming into old age. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, the the finale of the 
the meta mission possible will be uh tom cruise dressed in like a like a surgical mask with like a bomb defusal outfit or something or a, a cdc suit uh just like throwing elbows and like beating the fuck out of like the 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 cast and crew of the film trying to get the trying to get the real trying to get the canister into the projection booth right right. (laughs) like at (laughs) at, like grauman's theater or something yeah (laughs) i like it i like it 